Nations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn mover Lake show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show. Coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. And ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday. Congratulations for making it through to the end of another week. May you have a wonderful, fun, or relaxing weekend planned ahead for yourselves, preparing you for another week of glorious triumph and victory that layeth ahead. And we're so glad you guys are joining us here today. Joining us, obviously, over here, the one and the only, he is writer, director, producer. You can see uh, one of the projects he's working on right now, Dota, on Netflix. He's Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing? John, you know what? It's Winter Olympics this weekend. That's right. I love me some Winter Olympics. I, you know, I was actually, I went to, uh, I was in the Winter Olympics in uh, Korea. Four years ago. You attended the Winter Olympics. I did. You were not in the Winter Olympics. No, I was Olympics. not in the Winter Olympics. I was going to say, I mean, I was, really? What? I was, I was bobsled Rob. Is I that was, what it is? I did. I, there is a picture of me in a bobsled, but I did not compete. <laughs> but uh, I love the Winter Olympics. All right. And also joining us right over here, he is the world's foremost expert on all things jackass. Yep. He does the crazy Weed. stunts all the time, literally running around all the time saying, uh -huh. somebody punch me in the balls. Yep. That's one of the only Ray Ora. Ray, yeah, how you doing? we jacked it last night. <laughs> also, Rob, yeah. it's not the Winter Olympics. It's the Canadian Olympics. It's the Canadian Olympics. Because it's Canadian pretty much Olympics. their... That's right. It's their thing. It's our thing. They are the top of the top when it comes well, to those Olympics. I mean, to be honest... I'm here for the curling. I really am. And, you know, it's like you the natural Sol? sport of Canada. You know, Soul? He curls. He, he, Soul plays in a, he, he's a, Does a he member really? of a curling league. Yeah, he's actually in a curling wow. league. Wow. Well, you know, I've never met an American who curls. One of our curlers, I think, carried in the flag at the opening ceremonies. Oh, that's one awesome. One of the American curlers. That's amazing. Good I know, to right? Know. Um, hey, listen, uh, you guys may have noticed that uh, Chris Carr's in here today. Rob and I literally got texts. About 45 minutes ago that uh, Chris Carr, on her way here to the studio, had her tire blow out. Uh, Chris Carr's car let her down. The car, Chris's car, Chris Carr's car let Chris Carr down. Uh, and so she sends her regrets. Don't worry, she'll be back. And she's fine. She's okay. AAA win, got her covered. She's good. She'll be back again tomorrow. Don't you worry about it. But anyway, guys, here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break the show up, of course, into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to take some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, if you're watching the show live, and only if you're watching the show live, you can use the Super Chat feature in the YouTube chat, and then we'll read off those comments and questions at the end of the main topics. However, if you are watching this show any of the other 22 hours during the day and you'd like to hear us answer one of your questions, we do a show called Mailbag that we do two to three times a week. We were going to do one yesterday. We weren't able to do it, but we are going to do one later today. If you want to get a comment or question read and answered on Mailbag, simply go down to the description of this video and you'll see a tip link. Click on that or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll get your comment and question read on Mailbag if we deem your comment or question appropriate to be used on our show, of course. And, of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time. And all of us involved with the John Campus Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Also, guys, don't forget, a little bit of housekeeping here. If you need your daily fix of the John Campus Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're commuting, maybe you're jogging, you're at the gym, Good news, there is the audio-only version of the show, the John Campy Show podcast, available on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Go and subscribe to it today, so it'll be there when you need it. Okay, guys, with that down, let's get into an off-the-top here, shall we? And that off-the-top is this. 
Now, of course, a lot of us love Star Wars. No. We we have been eating up the Mandalorian season one, season two. We've all been watching Boba Fett. Sometimes happy with Boba Fett, sometimes not so happy with Boba Fett. Still, the jury's still out about whether it even should have been called Boba Fett, but we'll find that out in just a bit. But one thing that most of us can agree on is that one of the characters that was brought in to Mandalorian and that we have now seen in Boba Fett is the character of Cobb Vanth, played by Timothy Oliphant. And a lot of people really like this character, an awful lot. You know who else likes the character? The guy who originally came up with him. (laughs) And a lot of people may not realize this, but Cobb Vanth did not come to be in the Mandalorian, he actually came to be in the Aftermath novels. And I often forget how to pr- properly pronounce his name, but it's Chuck Wendig, I believe is how you say his name. So Chuck Wendig, who wrote the Aftermath stuff and was actually the first one to create Cobb Vanth. Apparently, he's a little bit upset that in the credits of the Star Wars shows, they have not credited him at all. Not so much as a special thanks for creating what has become kind of a crowd favorite character. Now, this is what he wrote on social media. He wrote this. A little sarcasm here, by the way. I always dig it when big media properties have a special thanks for the writers and creators who contributed to their worlds and stories. Uh, and it's a bummer when they don't do that. And I bring this up for absolutely no reason, and all I will and I will almost certainly delete this tweet. So this, this is clearly Chuck, the creator of, of the Cobb Vanth characters, taking a not-so-veiled shot uh, over at Disney and Disney Plus and Lucasfilm and Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni and everybody else who has been putting this, this show together and using these characters, saying, uh, hey, I'm the one who came up with this character. How come there's no uh, uh, special thanks to me? A little bit of a special thank you to the creator. Like, not nothing. Nothing. And he's a little bit upset about it and now taking his beef public. Now, look, you guys, if you watch me for any period of time, there is something I really don't like about, you know, creators and whatever taking their beefs public. I, I To me, that's Bush League. You know, the way grown-ups handle things, if, if you got a problem with somebody, you get on the phone with them. You talk it out. You figure it out. And if it you can't figure it out and, and work it out, well, then you get lawyers involved or do whatever. But I, I just, I've never liked the idea. And that's one of the real bad things about online. Like online, like when different, like uh, Instagram influencers or TikTok influencers or YouTubers or whatever, they instantly take their fight online and make it a big public spectacle. And it's like, okay, fucking, we're, we're back in grade two. This is such bullshit. Nobody's a grown-up anymore. But that being said, Chuck felt slighted, decided to get on the old tweeters and remind everybody that, hey, I created Cobb Vanth. It raises the question, does he have a point? Is he justified in feeling slighted, so slighted, that he would hop on social media and make his grievances public. And I'm I'm a little bit torn on this because here's my thought, and I, I'll tell you right now, this is not going to be the popular opinion uh, uh, right now because I am clearly never afraid to have the unpopular opinion. But here's, I'm of two minds. On the one hand, it's like, hey, Lucasfilm, Disney, Favreau, Filoni. How much effort does it take to say, in, in those credits that roll, 
You don't even have to give it its own dedicated screen. Just on one of the screens with a thousand other names, how much energy and effort does it take to put in a line that says special thanks to, uh, you know, Bobo, the boba-making chef who brings us our boba? <laughs> I, I don't drink boba, but and my wife Anne loves boba, so I'm saying boba a lot. But special thanks to Bobo, the boba-maker who brings us our boba, and to Chuck Wendig. For uh, you don't even have to say why, just special thanks. How much effort does that take? No effort. How much money does that cost Lucasfilm and Disney to put that in? Costs no money. It's it's an easy breezy, no problem. Just just put it in there. Now I get it if maybe they didn't think about it, which then makes me wonder. Hey Chuck, why don't you just write an email to somebody at Lucasfilm and say, hey, can you maybe put this in in one of the last couple of episodes? At any rate, so on the one hand, I feel like why not put that in? It's easy and it's free. On the other hand, and this is where my opinion becomes unpopular, they were under no obligation to put him in the credits. I mean, Cobb Vanth belongs to them. He doesn't own it. He was paid for making for writing those books. They own the character. They're under no obligation to put it in there. And yeah, maybe it would have been nice if they did. But is Chuck Wendig justified in trying to cause a public spat over the fact that he didn't have his name because let's be honest with you it would have been one thing rob if Cobb vanth became a popular and beloved character based on the aftermath novels he didn't he didn't i know a number of people who read the aftermath novels and when Cobb vanth showed up in mandalorian they still didn't even realize it was the guy who was in the book so i i mean i don't know like i said i feel a little bit torn rob as as a lifelong creator yourself I'm sure you have a perspective on this. What do you make of this? Well, I think, you know, the precedent that Disney has is Marvel. At the end of all those Marvel movies, there is a list of creators that have <laughs> played key roles in the creation of the characters that are in the movie that we just watched. They were under no obligation to do it. I'm sure that there was precedent. Marv Wolfman got a little uh, upset in Blade when the first Blade movie came out and he wasn't credited as the creator of Blade. So I think, like you said, John, your first point, it costs no money. It is, uh, it's something that they can do. It takes very little time. And I think, why not? Why shouldn't they keep, there's a lot of creators, a lot of these characters now, since they're drawing on the animated series, they're drawing on uh, novels, they're drawing on the EU. I think that they should make it as a point of policy uh, to recognize the creators of these characters. And even in, in in Marvel movies, they'll have like Jim Starlin will play, will be in a cameo role, the creator of Thanos. You know, so I, I mean, at your own studio, they set a nice precedent. You know what? It goes a long way. Putting someone's special thanks or their name in the credits of a movie really costs nothing, but it creates goodwill that can really help you out in the long run. So I'm a big fan of doing that. I think that uh, Marvel has done a great job of doing that. And why shouldn't Disney? Or, you know, Chuck could have sent a super chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could have got that yeah. done. Uh, I mean, look, I, 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 you're right. But at the same time, they are under no obligation. Yeah, to you're do correct it. about that. I mean, right? Like, they're, he has no legal right. He ha doesn't have to be credited as this. And then, I don't know, Then then who... Maybe once you start going down that path, and this is a slippery slope argument, so it's te tedious at best. But I'm just saying, 
once you start going down that path, well, then who else should get credit? Was Should then Chuck Wendig, if he was influenced to create this character by some other people, do they deserve to be in the credits? No, like, because, eh. no because I think, you know, a writer, a writer who creates characters, they created that character. And they might be, I mean, you could say Cobb Vanth was influenced by the man with no name or something like Boba Fett was. I don't think that influences count. You know, it's it's that heady, frothy mix that a creator uses to create whatever that character is. And I think in the case, you know, in Chuck Winnick's case, they probably want to keep him to write more Star Wars novels. So why not? Why not just give him? I mean, you know what? That's what people should do for their creators. There's nothing wrong in acknowledging the good work people do. As a matter of fact, I, I think it creates goodwill that you can't pay for. So... I think we're kind of on the same page here that we we're both kind of of the mind that why not? Yeah. But I think, are we also both agreeing that they don't have to No, like, they're, they're, no you're absolutely right. There's right? no obligation, but you know what? But it'd I be think nice. It, when you're working with creative people, they want acknowledgement for their creation, right? You know, that's, that's their value. That's their worth. And Marvel certainly does it. Of course, Marvel does everything better than Disney Star also, Wars. Also, when people are are hired to write just for that to create these things, and they happen to create someone, is that something that they usually give credit for? If they were just hired to to well, do they, one they get specific their, the, thing, the author of a novel is the author of a novel, you know, and their names on it. It's not like, like Disney so, when they ask somebody to write a novel, they don't not put they don't say from Walt Disney. You know, oh, Chuck yeah, Wendig, the writer. Wendig, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think someone, point. That's a really good you know, point. Yeah. I think someone in the chat pointed out. I don't know. I forgot what they said. They said uh, paid for hire or work for hire. Work, work for, for hire. hire. Yep. Work so in hire. those cases, do they usually give those if they happen to create a character? Well, I mean, it's that's been a big question in a lot of the comic book movies because yep. a lot of things in the comic book movies is for a long time. Like there have been like the number. I remember Black Panther was a big issue. Because there was a number, uh, there have been many people who have worked on for, as an artist and as a writer on the character of Black Panther a lot over the years. And there was a there was a little bit of a story a while ago that, you know, we didn't see any of them getting a credit in the movies. We've had the same thing with other comic book characters as well, and we've seen that transfer over to Star Wars. Now, if we found out that Chuck never even once reached out to anybody at Disney to ask him about it and just decided to go public... See, that to yeah. me seems uh, maybe, but if he did give them a call and they refused to do it, I don't know, maybe then you do get on Twitter. But, but you know, Marvel has been doing it. You know, at the end of those yeah, it movies. It took them a while, though. Uh, yeah, it, it took it, them a it, while. It did, but I think it's a good, it, it's just a good, as a matter of policy, if you're going to work in these IPs. I mean, what what I find really distressing is as the studios become more and more creatively bankrupt and they're going back and they're utilizing characters that were created. I mean, you look at the upcoming Star Trek series, Strange New Worlds. They've gone back. They've got Lieutenant Uhura, who's now a cadet. You've got Number One. You've got Nurse Chapel. You've got Dr. Mbenga. You know, you've got Captain Pike. You've got Spock. And you've got Number One. And it's like, those are like eight characters that were created by different people do those people get credited just say based on star trek but they're now dipping into these characters that have been around legacy characters for a long time and i think it's gonna become more of an issue in the future all right guys question is for you what do you think about this do you think that uh, chuck's got good grounds for hopping on twitter and publicly complaining about this do you think maybe he shouldn't have at all do you think it would have been nice if they put his name in there but you know they didn't so no big deal whatever you guys think about this jump down into the comment section below 
and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on the John Campy Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampyshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It is absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show With that down. Let's get into main topic. Number one and our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Benson Wright and Benson Wright writes, say that 10 times fast. Benson Wright writes, <laughs> I grew up on jackass and I loved all the <laughs> movies that have come out since, and I effing loved this new one. I laughed so hard at one point, I spilled half of my popcorn on the floor. <laughs> I really miss seeing some of the old gang, but overall, I thought it was the best time I had at the movie since Endgame. What did you guys think of it? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, Jackass came out. Jackass came out. I watched your video. And we, of course, uh, Ray and I... A, uh, a tale of two viewers. A tale of two different <laughs> viewers. Ray and I, of course, I took Ray with us to go see Jackass last night. We did our quick out of the theater reaction to it. Uh, look, and and I'm not surprised because Ray going into it was like, look, I'm really nervous about seeing this because I don't do well watching pain anymore. stuff. Anymore. Anymore. Right, anymore. <laughs> I don't do well these days with pain stuff or poop. And I'm like, well, you know, we even talked about the show. I said, I don't think there's going to be a, a lot of pain or poop in this. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> that was the worst prediction the worst ever. Prediction John has ever said. Since ever. that there's going to be a third Spider-Man trailer on Monday Night Football. This, this was worse. This was worse. Because I spent more than half of the time in there Covering with my eyes. face buried in the back of the seat. <laughs> I was literally, no one, no one was sitting on my left. So I put up the the thing, the little the bar armrest. thing, the the armrest, and I turned all the way sideways, and I had my head in the back of my seat. I was like, I don't care whatever disease I'm about to catch by doing this. I'm not watching whatever's up on the screen. Because <laughs> there, there was a lot of it. So like, so Ray spent a lot of it examining the felt on the seat next to him. I even I listen. Even I got to say, there were points in the movie I had to cover my eyes. There were a couple of points in really? the movie that even and, I had to cover. And my ears, too. Just because someone screaming in pain is not <laughs> on my top ten of like things I like to hear. Favorite things. So You're such a kind soul, Ray. But, no, no. I grew up on this stuff. I love these guys. Everyone should see it anyways, no matter what. I'll tell you what. I had I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching this movie. I Listen, it starts off with a monster sketch like a sketch like a sketch of thing with a monster that's all i'm gonna say and like i remember monster? i'm not gonna say anything uh, else. Yeah, no, we're not saying i'm it. not saying anything else but it's all, very all i'll say it was a monster destroying a city and stuff like that all i'm gonna say is when that started i'm like well first of all what i told ray completely wrong but also i'm like Oh, that's what this movie's going to be. <laughs> that's what this movie's going to be. And it just, it went to an 11 and it stayed there. Like, like the whole time through, it just stayed at this 11. And they did some of the most ridiculously stupid things. But I, I, I would be lying to you if I didn't lie. Look, every once in a while, I lament. That seems like 
we as a movie audience are just becoming idiocracy and all we want is ow my balls. <laughs> Every once in a while, ow my balls can be kind of fun. And that's what Jackass is. It's ow my balls or ouch my balls, whatever the actual name of it is. That's, that's what Jackass is. There's only one team that I'll allow that to. And that is the team of Jackass. That's yeah. that's the they get a pass because they've been doing it for years. What I loved about it is they're still together. Like most of them the are still part, together yeah, in the group. Yeah. It's like it's very, it's very um, you know, touching to see that they're all still friends. Seeing they're still these buddies doing, still doing still doing things, having yeah. fun, even though it's not the type of fun I would want with my friends. It's still a great group of guys that love each other, you could tell. And just have fun with each other. The best part about the movie was just hearing John laugh, even though I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> looking at the theater. Anytime like you go with someone and they're enjoying the movie, you could at least take that with you. You know what I mean? And I'm sure there's a lot of people that can watch this stuff, and the movie's perfect for you. But for me, there's like only three sketches that I that I enjoyed, but not only enjoyed, I laughed my ass off during those three sketches. I, I go back to the Impractical Jokers movie. That, that's how the Impractical Jokers movie should have been. Like, I, I hated that they tried to put a story story in, into right. it. That's what I thought they were going to do with that intro of Jackass. And I'm glad it was just the intro. You know what I mean? There was no, like, you know, trying to put things together. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that's in it. And by the way, people, people are liking this movie. It's got like an 89%. A, a, a jackass movie. He's got like an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes and right now a 96% audience rating, verified viewer audience rating. So people are enjoying it and having a good time. There's a sketch. All I'm going to say is that where they're in a dark room. And that's that's one of the sketches that Ray really loved too, is the one they're in a dark room. But I'll tell you the one that was one, I don't know, the one I laughed the hardest at. They're playing a game. <laughs> it's like a trivia game. <laughs> Except you got to stand there in nothing but your underwear with you stand there with your legs spread. No cup. No, no cup. And on the ground in front of you is this mechanical arm with a flip flop slipper on it. And if you answer a question wrong, the arm and it smacks you in the ball. It's terrifyingly fast. And it's one of the you can't even get out of the way in I've time. Seen. It's so fast. I was scared. Like, I wanted to get a hold of Harloff and say, this is what you should do with the movie trivia showdown. <laughs> You make this a part of the movie Trivia Showdown. I think you're gonna get a lot more. You're gonna get a lot of interest around the world in this show. But I, but they just went on, and some of it was so gross. The Nangano punch, oh, the, which you saw in the trailer. You guys right, saw right. that. You the, guys saw that in the trailer. UFC heavyweight champion Francis Nagano. <sighs> they literally. The, here's what the whole stunt was. The dude just now you got to wear a cup, but the dude just had to stand there in, in his gitch with a, just nothing but a cup on, and get. UFC heavyweight champion, the hardest striker in the history of MMA, give you his just one solid best shot and in the he, balls. And he was sideways too. He was sideways, meaning he was turning his hips. And oh, like, he threw everything in. He it. threw everything, and the sound I have. I have nightmares. <laughs> yeah, because you can hear the cup crack. You can hear oh, crack. You hear the oh, like oh, it was God. Dude. It was. I couldn't watch it, but I heard it. Why would you subject yourself to that ever? Uh, they make it a lot of money, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, I, but there was just something about these guys being willing to do just anything to entertain the audience. And, oh, no, man. And, and, and it goes <laughs> further. So look, I think it's safe to say at this point, Jackass is not a movie for everybody. And listen, you know already what Jackass is. Jackass isn't anything new. Jackass has been around 20 years. You already know if Jackass is for you or not. And you're probably not going to go if it's not. 
But if Jackass is kind of your thing, I still prefer Jackass 3. That's still my favorite. But this one was a really good time at the movies. I had a lot of fun. If it's not really for you, like Ray, you're not going to have as good of a time. But uh, yeah, for me, it was. So yeah, guys, go on over. Check out Jackass if you have already. What did you guys think of it? Were you more like me having a great time? Were you more like Ray, a little bit more squeamish? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Micah. And Micah writes, I really believe there are some movies that just shouldn't be made. The Meg is one of those, and the <laughs> Meg 2 is one of those two. I had no idea. Uh, they were thinking about making a Meg sequel, and then I saw on Twitter that they were already starting to make it, and I just had to ask, why? Okay, a giant shark. Wow, we haven't seen that before. Seriously, why do you think they're even bothering to make this one? Thanks. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Micah. Hey, listen, the Meg, based on the novel of the same name. Which, by the way, they tried to make for years. I was going to say, they have been trying to make the Meg for many years yeah. how many years the studio was already in motion on getting one made they were put there was in development and they pulled the plug on it because rush hour three ended up being too expensive and they decided to pull the plug on the meg that's how long ago yeah. that's how long they've been trying to get this movie made so then they say they're going to do the meg and then they say it's going to be jason statham i ain't gonna lie i'm a big jason statham fan Jason Statham thrown down fisticuffs with the shark. Okay. And of course, in the movie, Jason Statham punches a shark. I mean, of course that has to happen. Look, I did not love what? the Meg. I didn't love the Meg. I, did. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I'm not saying I hated it. Okay. Okay. But I but it, it. I remember I went to go see it with Soul one night and it's like, nah. He didn't it's, like it either? Uh, he didn't love it either. Oh, no. man. I, I mean, and listen, I know a lot of people did, though. I know a bunch of people who really did like it. For, and like I said, I didn't hate it. Deep Blue Sea or the Meg, John? Deep Blue Sea. It's got, it just embraces the ridiculous a little bit more. I mean, what? I mean, listen, that Samuel L. Jackson scene is one of the greatest scenes in the history of Hollywood. <laughs> and honestly, there very few things in movies can actually shock me, like catch me completely off guard. <laughs> yeah. That Samuel L. Jackson scene is one of the best ever in movie history. That did something like that. So anyway, getting back to Meg, if you're going to ask the question, well, why are they going ahead and making this? Well, there's two reasons. Number one, there were a bunch of people who liked it. I mean, and, and so that is kind of grounds for it. But the other is this. This comes just from the folks over at Variety who write the following. The sequel to Jason Statham, the Jason Statham fronted shark thriller, The Meg, has begun shooting in the UK. Variety can confirm. Production on Meg 2, The Trench, which sounds awful, an awful lot like James Wan's The Trench Aquaman spinoff. <laughs> that didn't get happened. I wonder if it was crossing cinematic universes. Anyway, production on Meg 2, The Trench, has kicked off with a splash at Warner Brothers, owned Levinson Studios outside of London, where the Harry Potter and the Batman franchise were also shot. The film, about a murderous 80-foot prehistoric shark, is directed by Rebecca Helmer, Ben Wheatley, who takes on the reins from John Turtelob. Uh, Turtelob directed the first installment of the franchise, which took $530 million. That took $530 million. So, fair enough to ask, 
Why are they making it? The answer to that question is twofold. One, there were a bunch of people that liked it. Number two, it made $530 million at the box Half a office. billion bucks. Half a billion bucks. I'd make one, too. Which is nothing to sneeze at. And I'll do the direct-to-video Meg 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> I'll do it all. Rob, you see this. Number one, are, are you surprised that they are actually moving ahead and making this one? What did you think about the original? What's your anticipation like for the second I one? I actually read the book the original, the Meg novel that it was based on. Oh. And, you know, it was one of those books that we, you, 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 I, look, I don't know why I read that book, <laughs> but I, I read it. You know, I read a lot of questionable novels, but it was a giant shark, a prehistoric shark. And, and it was, I think on the, on the hardcover, it said soon to be a major motion picture. Like it was already sold to the movies before it came out. But why make another one? Because people like John, you said it, people liked it. It's a giant shark. It's a monster movie. And it had Jason Statham in it. And it was also kind of tongue in cheek. So it wasn't like a straightforward monster movie, but it knew what it was. I'm not saying it was Sharknado, but it was it was definitely it was more like an arachnophobia. You know, it had it had it had humor combined with horror. And I think that I was surprised. I liked the movie more than I thought I would. So it doesn't surprise me that they're making another film. I don't. Is Jason Statham in this one? Jason Statham is absolutely in this one. It needs yeah. Statham, I think. Statham's got to get paid, yo. That's why there's this movie. And yeah, half a billion dollars, that's big box office. And it's not like it costs $200 million to make. Do you sense a, like a, a lot of people wanting to go back to the Meg? Have you been sensing that? No. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, when I'm at Starbucks and I hear people talking about their favorite franchises and movies they wait for, I've never once, John, ever heard anyone wax rhapsodic about the Meg. Or By just the, uh, in general, shark movies. I'm always down for a shark movie. I like that one with I'm Ma actually down for one too. Mandy Moore, the one and also the one where that girl stuck on the buoy. Blake Lively. Blake Lively. Yeah, that the one shallows, was really good. And 47 meet meters down. Yeah. yeah. And, that one was great. What was the one about the the couple, the true story about the couple who Oh, the one where they like open the, water? Open oh, yeah, water. Open water. That, yeah, one was, that was actually heartbreaking. I I hate I hate that one. If it's like a fake shark, that's fine. But then just the thoughts of being stuck in the middle of the ocean. And of course, by, by the way, I was just I was trying to bring this up. The one thing I'll give Meg, though, is this image of the little girl. I remember this was in the, tr the marketing. Yeah, it's in the trailer. That image of the little girl, like bending down, then picking up a ball, blah, blah. And then in the on the oh other side God. of the window. Ugh. I got, Hey, listen, that alone. dude. That's that's a pretty creepy shot. That alone sells the movie. That right there does kind of that's sell like the your, movie. Your, that's like your uh, Twister shot, you know, at the end when the when the, at the end of the twi at the end of the trailer for Twister, they have what is it, the cow or something? It gets flung into. Oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, that, movie. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, every movie had to have the Twister end of their trailer. But uh, it, th they have to have this movie because it sets up the third Megfall, right? Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Now I just want I'll to know when now. finally is <laughs> the Meg. Family Guy character oh. Meg Griffin going to be in this? <laughs> oh my God! I mean, there's so shut up. By Meg. the way, think about it, guys. Right now, as we sit here and talk, there are people in cinemas watching Moonfall. Oh, right at this very oh, moment. Man. I don't know. What do to you say feel about. a sense of responsibility that we should run to those theaters and say no? Do something else. <laughs> oh, no. I, I feel we should support those people and their choices. Yeah. And, the you, choices you, they make. and you know what? There's been a couple of people in the chat saying they just seen it and they liked it. They had so. a good time. You know what? Hey, listen. Listen. It, last I checked, Moonfall's got like a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, is still not a good score, but it's way better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, way better than I thought. Anyway, guys, question is for you. 
What do you think about this? They have now officially started production Ooh. on Meg 2, yeah. The Trench. Yeah. Give it up for Jason Statham, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So good for you. Let's hear go it. down, baby. Let's <laughs> hear it for the boy. Dun, 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 the boy. Dun, 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 uh, the dun. boy. All right, guys, listen. For you, what do you think about this news? Did you like the first Meg? Are you looking forward to a second one? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, and before we get into our next topic, let's take a second and pay some bills here and thank the sponsors of today's episode of The John Campia Show, our friends over at Stamps.com. Hey guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Stamps.com. Now you know Stamps.com. They've been supporting The John Campia Show for a while here. Now let's face it. Going to the post office is time-consuming and really not the way you want to be spending your time. And that's why I highly recommend to do your mailing and shipping online with Stamps.com. Stamps.com allows you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. It, you can send letters, ship packages, and you can pay a lot less with discounted rates from UPS, uh, USPS, and more. And you see, that's why Stamps.com is a must-have for any business. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices, an online seller shipping out your orders, whether you're somebody who's just trying to send things out to your friends and family, or if you're a giant warehouse, like sending out thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle all of it with absolute ease. And here's the best thing. With Stamps.com, you get up to 40% off of post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. And this is why Stamps.com is an absolute no-brainer. It saves you time. It saves you money. It's no wonder that nearly 1 million small businesses already use Stamps.com. So stop wasting your time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with my promo code Campia, just go up to that microphone up in the corner click on that and enter my code campia you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts needed again just go to stamps.com click on that microphone at the top and enter the promo code campia stamps.com never go to the post office again all right and we of course want to thank the folks at stamps.com for bringing you guys today's episode of the John Camp Show. Remember, guys, go on over there, use the service, and make sure you use that promo code Campia. It supports our sponsors, and it supports us here on the show. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Rocky367, who writes, <laughs> Hey, John and crew. I hope you're all doing great. We are doing great. Thank you, Rocky. Well, the box office predictions for the Batman are finally out. And according to Box Office Pro, the opening weekend is between 145 and $185 million. This was basically the same first predictions for Spider-Man No Way Home. Do you think with great reviews and the hype for the Batman that it will be able to maybe even hit 200 plus million opening weekend? All right, Rocky, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, of course, we talked the other day about kind of giving our first kind of, you know, completely basis ideas about what it could do and that several outlets are saying, hey, look, Batman's going to be big. Like the official projections were not out yet, but a lot of the outlets are saying it's going to be big. You know, last night we were out watching Jackass and they played that glorious Batman trailer, glorious Batman trailer. And you can feel the excitement in the room. And, and, and here's the thing. When we did that video a few days ago, I had a lot of people writing to me saying, 
Listen, John, we're really excited about this movie. You guys know it's my number one most anticipated movie of the year. Uh, more than Doctor Strange, more than Spider-Man No Way Home, more than Thor Love and Thunder, more than anything, more than Cyrano, more than The Northman, more than it all. The Batman is the movie I am excited about the most. But we've been waiting for the main box office business folks to come out, particularly Box Office Pro, who does a lot of the long, long um, uh, forecast projections on these box office things. And the projections have started to come out, and they are projecting that this thing could get upwards of $185 million opening weekend. $185 million opening weekend. Which, by the way, puts it very like within a couple like within a couple of million that puts the batman within very easy striking distance of being a top 10 all time opening weekend film in the history of cinema and i'm going to tell you right now i'm changing my tune i think this is going to exceed 185 million now i was going about 150 before but Reading some more of the stuff that's going on and getting some more information, I'm starting to think, you know what? 185 is probably going to be low. It's probably going to be low, just like the Spider-Man No Way Home projections were a little bit low. I think this thing is going to have stellar reviews. We don't know that, I'm, but I'm guessing from what I'm seeing. Everything we're hearing, Warner Brothers has a lot of faith in this movie. Yeah. I think this is going to have legs. I think people are more excited than we even thought, and I think this could be that. On top of all that, it would mean that this movie is going to become the biggest opening for any Batman movie in history. Any Batman movie in history. Because when we look at the three biggest Batman openings ever, believe it or not, I believe the number three biggest opening for a Batman film was the, the Lego Batman movie with $53 million. <laughs> then, of course, uh, The Dark Knight opened with $160 million. And then Batman versus Superman opened with $166 million. The Batman. The Batman right now is on pace to be the biggest, not just the biggest Batman film of all time, opening wise, but a top 10 biggest opening weekend in history. Now, we have said for a long time, all three of us, that we do not believe Batman is going to catch Spider-Man No Way Home. And, no. and, and I, I don't see any reality. There's just too many things working against it to catch that. But for this movie, again, still in a pandemic era. To be another top, to have two movies come out that crack the top 10 biggest opening weekends in cinematic history and have one become the biggest Batman opening in cinematic history is impressive nonetheless. Now, look, Box Office Pro broke down kind of their reasons why they're doing these projections at these numbers. And I thought it'd be worth it for us to take a look at some of these reasons they're, they're spelling out here. First of all, in their pros, let me see if I can make this a little bigger for you guys to see. All right. They're saying the Batman is inarguably one of the most valuable, reliable pop culture icons when it comes to the box office, evidenced by numerous blockbuster performances across multiple generations of moviegoers from Tim Burton's 1989 to Christopher Nolan's early 2000s trilogy and Zack Snyder's Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice in 2016. That is a good thing. We just looked at a couple of those numbers that opened up. They had a couple of Batman films open to north of $150 million. Why can't it do it here? They go on to say this. This is their next reason for putting it at like 185 advanced tracking social activity and trailer imprints for the batman are the strongest of any release excluding spider-man no way home since before the pandemic began uh preliminary metrics align closely with captain marvel which scored the third highest march opening in history with 153.4 million dollars but that was three years ago they go on to say 
more bullish models are also generating notable trendiness with the Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which opened with 177.4 in December 2019, and Batman vs. Superman that opened with 166 million in March of 2016, which is also the record for a DC film. 2017's Beauty and the Beast remake uh, bested the, the latter for what is the current March record at 174. Now let's go down and look at some of the cons. They've got, they list a lot of big reasons for, but there's a couple of cons working against it because, you know, people will say, well, John, why don't you think it can catch Spider-Man No Way Home? Well, there's a couple of things here that they list. And Ray, this one is going to speak to you. At two hours and 55 minutes, <laughs> the Batman's long runtime could marginally limit showtimes per day. Uh, that's primarily a factor for opening weekend projections, though, and the relative lack of strong holdover from January and February should allow theater owners to, co to uh, compensate with plenty of screen space, but that doesn't help them for opening weekend. Also, they know. With what appears to be a noir-fueled, gritty take on Gotham City, it remains to be seen how this version of the character and the world around him walk the line between mainstream appeal and many comic book films versus the psychological nature of more violent aspects that could be off-putting to some parents and or kids. Exactly. I think that's a big one, because Rob, you've actually noted this one a couple of times, about the fact that where Spider-Man No Way Home really is more of a four-quadrant movie yeah the batman definitely does not look like a four quadrant movie and that will be a little bit of a limitation do you agree with their assessment of i this? totally agree with that you know i've been saying that even the scene even that funeral scene as much as i enjoy that funeral scene it's hardcore you know i mean it is adults in peril children in peril this is not jim carrey mugging or tommy lee jones mugging for the camera in in day glow colors right you know this is a this is more of a Fincher-esque seven feel to it. Although I have to say this. We were talking about this earlier. They released another piece of Michael Giacchino's score. The, the Riddler. Riddler's theme. Yeah. I mean, it has a, a animated series vibe to it. I really love that music. I mean, both pieces seem to be... The tone is a little different than I thought. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I do think the adult tone of it is still going to put off families. I don't think, you know, look... If I was seven years old, I would demand, I would scream and yell at my parents if they didn't take me to see this movie. And they would eventually give in because I was that good. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, I still think that a lot of parents are like, I'm not going to take my kids to that. I, I, I actually think it's going to make probably more than 185. You think it's going to go north of Only that? Only because if you look at those numbers of the Batman films, The Dark Knight Rises wasn't family, really family no. friendly. No, that's true. And yeah. it made 160. Then you have a whole bunch of you have more people in the world now and like more Batman fans, maybe. Yep. And there's there's some lenient parents now. You see the stuff on TV, right? Oh, the yeah. TV shows. Yeah. I mean, some of them just let their kids watch anything now. So, I mean, plus, like, if it's a good movie, too, right? If it's that's a good true. movie. I mean, that's the one catch, though, with, with, the, with the Christopher Nolan films is like, yeah, they were a little bit more gritty. Yes. But also, like, Dark Knight Rises was coming off of what some people consider to be the greatest comic book movie of all time in The Dark Knight. So that's kind of making a little bit of a leap and thinking, can the Batman be that good, too? It certainly looks like he can. How long has it been since the Batman has has had his solo film? When like was quite the a while, Man, right? When was the what year was the I Dark Knight Rises? 2012. There's some people who have been waiting for this, so yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna take their chance by going, okay, this better be good. A lot of people are curious, but there is. But one. if it's really good, then people will go back. Well, that's the thing. Then that's you get that the, repeat view viewing question. stuff, right? Again, the the three hour runtime may 
keep people like right. from seeing it multiple times. But, but Noah's yeah. movies were long too. Yeah, no, they were. And Marry Me has already been out for the, in the theaters for like three weeks. So oh yeah, it doesn't so, have to compete. Yeah, you can't that, go it doesn't have to compete Marry with J Lo. Like, I mean, right? You got to avoid I, I, Marry I agree. Me. I mean, she you know, does have three weeks already. Connection. Yeah, after all. I mean, Owen Wilson is super hot coming off a Loki. You know Warner Brothers wanted to avoid Marry Me yeah. at all costs. Uh, it's true. Like, my um, God. But listen, Box Office Pro brings up one other kind of... that. I think it's a really good point to think about here, and that's this. This is what the other thing they say is working against it. The reboot of any major franchise or character always comes with a set of built-in risks. Not only must audiences re-familiarize themselves with a new version and cast, the weight of expectations can be challenging to overcome. Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy remains a beloved staple of many audiences, but after ending 10 years ago, enough time may have now passed that the franchise and an evolving audience may warmly embrace Matt Reeves' interpretation, but let's not forget it wasn't just the Christopher Nolan one. We also just had Ben Affleck's Batman out there, and we've been talking in the media a ton about Michael Keaton's Batman's coming back, and then we'd also been hearing a lot that Ben Affleck's coming back. And how many Batmans are... So we've also talked for a while that that could be another thing that works against it. Also, I mean, I hate to say it because I think it's it's not fair to him, but we still have fan... Conti- the fan contingent... There are people I talk to almost every day that still bring up Twilight. You know, and they're like, I don't want to see Robert Pattinson as Batman. And I think that's completely unfair because we've it talked is. about that for so often on this show, you know, whether his great performances. But I think that he's he does, regardless, he's going to have to win over his performance is going to have to win over the audience. I think there's a, a a percentage of the audience that is skeptical. How perfect must he be for this role? Like how absolutely perfect must he be for this role if they know full well that there's going to be some backlash to the idea of Robert Pattinson playing him, but they went ahead and cast him anyway and they're moving ahead with it and they're doing it. I mean, that tells me that he is so perfect for what they're envisioning and what they're looking at. It, it must have been that he must be just that good. He must be just well, that, that and good. And the studio would know oh, that. There's no sound. Yes, there is. Oh, there is. Okay. Yeah. The studio would have to know that. I mean, they, they didn't just, you don't just cast. I mean, the studio, I'm sure people in the studio were like, wait a minute. You want to cast Twilight Boy as Batman? They would have to do a screen test. I mean, I, the money people would want to know. And I'm sure that after Matt Reeves did that screen test, they're like, okay. He we're looks, convinced. He looks great in the costume, by the way. I think he looks he's amazing. absolutely that costume does. looks like it's the best costume today. For I him. think for him too. I mean, it fits him. He looks like when he gets angry. This is a ferocious Batman. I mean, I thought Ben Affleck when the, the the warehouse scene in Batman v Superman when he attacks that warehouse. That was a ferocious Batman. That was one of my favorite scenes, if not my favorite scene in the movie. Did, and I love seeing a ferocious did, Batman. Did I ever ask you guys um, what you prefer more, long ear or short ear Batman? It, it, it uh, I, I like the, I like the shorter ear. The short ears on Affleck are are great. Yeah, but on Michael Keaton, I like the longer ears. It it all depends. It all depends. Depends on the man. It's on the man. But I, so so let me let me put this to you then, Rob. Like right now, as we're looking at what we're looking at, we're hearing those the thing, the pros and the cons working against it. We're hearing now the official projections are out. Now that we have a little bit more information. Yeah. We won't hold you to it. It's still a month away. By the way, guys, it is officially one month. It is one February month, the fourth today. We are officially just one month away from the Batman opening. But now that we are one month Remember, away, this we is have a, a short month. And it's a short month. 
Now that we've got an official projection coming out right now, where do you see Batman falling on opening weekend? How big of a weekend do you think it's going to look? Happen? I did say earlier, I think this week that I figured it was going to be 150, 150 million or less. Now with these projections, I'll go further. You know what I'm going to say? My projection, 165. Now, if it's a great movie and people are blown away, like this is the cinematic experience of a lifetime, you know, then it could be more. But I, but I think that it's, it's. I'm going to go with 165. I'm going to err on the conservative side. Ray, what about you? Where do you think it's going to come in? Since at? they projected the highest would be 185, I'll go 186. Wow, just, to be. just like the showcase. Just, show. just, just a little price is right there. Just to be a little bit, because you know what? Like me, if I miss a part, maybe because it's too long, I'm getting another ticket to watch that part that I missed. If it's yeah, a but you're the only one. Everyone else will sit through the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, I will go one dollar. I think you're all over, so I'm going to take the I'm going to do the prices right thing. I'll go one dollar. No, I am. Uh, I'm completely doing a role reversal here. All right, I'm going to say one ninety five. Ooh, I'm going to say one ninety five. I I just think the way between the way they are marketing this movie right now is genius. The release of that one piece of score a while ago, then the release of the funeral scene, the Michael Giacchino thing that's come out, those incredible total film posters, that amazing trailer that's playing in theaters right now. I'm feeling that momentum building. Now, I still don't think it's going to get close to Spider-Man No Way Home. That being said, I do think it's uh, because I before said 150. I'm making a $45 million jump on yeah, you. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to say 195. So we're going to right now put in a poll here. So let's do a poll. I'll put this into the, uh, for those of you watching the live chat, the poll will simply be, um, here we go. How much will the Batman make opening weekend? And we're going to give a couple options here. We're going to go um, 150 or under. Then we're going to say uh, 150 to uh, 175. And then we are going to say 175 or more. So if you guys are watching live right now in the live chat, you should be able to see a there's a poll there now. How much will the Batman make on opening weekend? 150 million or under 150 to 175. Or 175 and higher, because I think we got the three, uh, the, the 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 three kind of spectrums in here. I want to know what you guys have to say about this. So right now, you guys have already—I just put it up. You guys have already fired in 300, 500 votes. Fifteen uh, percent of you are saying 150 million or under. Thirty-nine percent of you are saying 150 to 175, and 44 percent of you are saying 40 or saying 175 or higher now we now have 700 votes and it's still roughly same 16 percent are saying 150 million or lower 40 percent are saying 150 to 175 44 percent are saying 175 or higher which again puts it on projected to become the biggest opening for any batman film in history and a top 10 possibly if, if, if i'm right it'll be a top 10 opening weekend of all time i don't know john i'm, I'm really smelling the ticket watch coming up i don't know maybe i I'm maybe i do have to do the ticket watch because because the spectacle of going to a film like this too people are buying tickets like me i'm half excited just to see the amount of people that have the love for this character and yeah. also you know with I mean? the omicron variant leveling out and and, and it's been dropping cases steadily dropping for the last week yeah, or two, yeah steadily dropping i mean when, if that's the case i think you know the people that <laughs> didn't go to spider-man no way home they might finally come out 
and decide maybe this is the movie that's going to get them to see films again. When do tickets go on sale anyways? The 10th? The I do not know. Okay, I, I haven't heard. Maybe you can look that up, right? Okay. Uh, but I don't know that I don't know that it's been announced yet. But it's, it's got to be like within the next two weeks, I would yeah. guess. So, so we'll have to keep our eyes. Some open people are that. saying the ninth. Um, but let me ticket watch. Some people are saying the tenth. The 10th. February tenth is what everybody's saying. Okay. All right. So we'll keep our eyes. Maybe we will have to do ticket watch in six days. Six days. Batman ticket watch in six days. We'll keep our eyes open for that. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this news? Are you buying the hype? Are you believing that, yeah, Batman is going to crush it? Are you thinking, no, nah, no, nah, everybody's underestimating how much people only know Robert Pattinson as Twilight Boy, and that's all they're going to see? I, I don't know. Whatever you guys are thinking about it, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, Let's now move on and start taking some of your live questions, shall we? You guys have been firing them in. Let's. We've now turned off the Super Chat feature because we've had as many come in as we can handle. So let's jump on over and see what you guys have been saying. We're going to start things off here with Suthius who writes, In honor of the Winter Games starting today, feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up, it's bobsled time. Who <laughs> runnings? Love this movie. You know, it's yeah. still my favorite scene in that movie. It was when the guy starts deciding they need to, he needs to mimic, was it the Austrian or the German team? Heinz! Nines! And they're like, what are you saying? That's still like one of my favorite. Oh, cool I love runnings. cool runnings. I love it too, man. It's been a long time since I've watched that. Okay. Jamaican Bob's. Next up, we got Derek Large who writes, if Sylvester Stallone were nobody today, do you think he could get Rocky made? No, no, nobody can get a Hollywood movie made. So Not today. No. no. By the way, do you watch his daughter's podcast i only saw the one episode so for those you don't know stallone's two daughters do a podcast together i can't remember what they it's do? called yeah, yeah they do and they had him and jennifer flavin flavin his, his wife mom and mom and dad were on together and i don't know why it popped up on my feed yesterday you gotta watch it i saw the one they did a few months ago with stallone yeah this is with the mom and dad okay i didn't see the one with mom, but what got me about the one <laughs> they did awesome. just with stallone just with their dad was this is one of the most powerful men in Hollywood, right? Like most iconic names, blah, blah, blah. Still brought to his knees by and, the women in his and, life. <laughs> and you and I know somebody who works ex who works with yep, Stallone yep. on every one of his movies. Yep. And he is a hard ass. But it's so funny because you know what? Rich or poor, international, domestic, it doesn't matter. Fathers... Daughters have their fathers wrapped around their finger. Oh, yeah. And you could just watch that because there's talking to him in ways that no one else can talk to Stallone like this. And I, there was something really joyous about that, seeing this this man, this powerful man, but his daughters totally have. have but I really like those two girls. So They're do I. funny yeah. and witty, and it was it was really kind of delightful seeing him and um uh him and his wife together on that podcast. It was fun. All right, let's keep going here. Next up. Uh, Andy writes, uh, what you ordered, Spider-Man No Way Home, what you got from Wish, uh, arachnid <laughs> mail, directionless towards resistance. <laughs> Wish.com. I'm a big tech guy, so I watch a lot of tech videos. They're, almost every tech video channel has done their thing of, I ordered this off oh, Wish. And man. it's like, never order any. Why do the Lakers have them as a sponsor? That's, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, as a high-end action figure and toy collector, you never order off. Wish. Never order never. anything off. Oh, wish. look at this hot toy! No, that's not what you're gonna yeah, get. Yeah, you're gonna get that no. knockoff. 
I mean, yes. you know how many videos I see? It's like, I ordered this two terabyte hard drive and it shows up and it's like 100 megs or something like that. It's made like of that. cardboard. Yes. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. All right. Next up. Uh, Andy writes. Oh, that was Andy. Sorry. Um, Andy also writes, when can we finally start talking about Bruno? No, no. We don't talk about Bruno. Actually, one of the best lines in the movie, though, was right near the end. One of the kids finally saying, so I guess we're talking about Bruno. That was like a charming little moment. I like that. And he also writes, wow, well, sorry, he doubled that up. Christopher Brickner writes, oh, I think this thing is doubling up a lot of the uh, the questions that have come in. So anyway, Christopher Brickner writes, what made Cad Bane different from Eric Clapton and Bob Marley? They all <laughs> shot the sheriff, but only Cad Bane shot the deputy. Oh, that's, that's, that's deep pretty cut. good. That's Very pretty smart. good. That's pretty that's good. That's good. That's a deep cut. I that's like that. Um, okay, let's see. Spoiler warning. <laughs> Oops. Oh, uh, the, the, the episode came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. I'll say, I need to try to that refresh That deputy this. was kind of a douche anyway. <laughs> well, he wasn't a douche. He was just trying to do the right thing. He looked, I think up, he just, looked up to Cobb. He didn't listen to Cobb. He's like, go inside. Yeah, go, go inside. inside. He should have done, done what It's he like told. the little dog in the Tom and Jerry ones where he wants to fight and the big dog is always like come on get back yeah don't all right that. next up uh we've got andy who writes one of two uh batman versus jesus passion of the justice batman has jesus <laughs> pinned down with the spear of destiny pierced into his side uh no we're just gonna go by that uh Suthius writes uh raising dion on netflix enjoyed season one season two not so much the child antagonist of season two it's just too annoying to me. Fast forward through it a lot. Is that the Michael B. Jordan one? He, I, yeah, he I think it's a superhero. He, he's super. He, he, he's, he's I have super never. Old. I haven't watched this one. Have you guys at I all? I watched the first episode. And and said she liked the first season. Yeah, it wasn't. I, I didn't first even know Anne watched it. it I, I thought bad. she did. I thought she's the one that told me about it. She's like, oh, huh. did you see that 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 show? She might have just watched the first episode. Yeah, she maybe. made it up. She made. It up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's keep going here. Next up, um, Splendorous writes. Saw Moonfall last night, and I got to say, you guys were right on target about it. 50-50 CGI, bad script, dumb plot twist, but I was still entertained. <laughs> there's, there's something about watching a circus. Uh, I, that's yeah. what it is, right? You're, you're watching Bro. Moonfall, you're just watching a circus. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you kind of like It was not good, and I wanted it to be more of a circus, but I enjoyed the time I sat in front of that theater. Hey, listen, even when it's a bad movie, and I love going Dolby to the movies. Cinema, the sound was great. I like yeah. the score. Yep. The seats are comfortable. It's it's a great I had time. My popcorn. It's a good time. All right, Rafael Castillo writes. Ethan Cohen wrote hilarious review of his brother Joel's Macbeth film, worth a read. Oh, I would like to see that. I would love to. Because Macbeth is awesome, guys. If you have not seen the the tragedy of Macbeth. With Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, um, uh, Brennan Gleeson, it's I, you so know, good. If, if if one of the Coen brothers would write a review of the other Coen brothers movie, I wonder if uh, Lily Wachowski will review Lana's Matrix <laughs> Resurrections. I'd like to read that. I I don't think that's going to happen. All right, let's keep going. Oh, I did just order on 4K, John. Uh, just so let's you know. see. Mr. Cool Breeze 69 just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Mr. Cool Breeze. Cool John Redcorn. Breeze. Uh, John Redcorn writes, speaking of jackass, Johnny Knoxville appearing in the men's Royal Rumble was the only memorable thing about that abysmal Rumble match. You know what? I didn't even watch the men's yeah. Royal Rumble. We put on the Royal because there were two things going on that night. There was the Royal Rumble and there was a Bellator. I don't watch a ton of Bellator, but there was a Bellator event. But one of my favorite fighters, Ryan Bader, was defending the heavyweight title. So we're going to watch that. So Ann and I put on the Royal Rumble. We watched a bunch of it. And then before the men's Rumble started, 
the Ryan Bader fight was starting, so we switched away. I never did see the men's yeah. event. I was completely it? forgot Johnny Knoxville was in it. Yeah, like, I and did I, too. that's the thing I wanted to see too. And it's just I don't know, maybe the event just like wore me down and I just didn't feel like watching the men's rumble. I don't know. All right. Um Okay, by by the way, I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna address something here. Cause somebody because we 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 opted to skip over a question that got sent in because I thought it was in poor taste. Uh and some people writing in if somebody paid shit to be on the show they have do we have the right to skip it yes we do uh we put right in the description of our video that just because you send in money to support the show we are not obligated to read what you wrote and we say all the time on the show that you know we of course reserve the right to determine what is appropriate to read on the show or not and we make this very clear in the description of this video when you send something in you are not buying something you're not buying the right for us to read whatever it is you want us to read you are tipping to support the channel and as a thank you, we're going to read off what you wrote, if it's appropriate, if we deem it appropriate to be read on the show. And we're, we've been very, we've always been very, very clear about that. There's some stuff that, and you know, even when I know people don't necessarily mean anything by it, if it's not, if I just don't deem it appropriate to be read on the show, we're not going to read it on the show. If you want to read it on your show, you go do a show and you you put it on yours. And that's okay. It, it, sometimes people just have stuff they don't, they don't want to do in there, but uh, that is what it is. And, you know, I make no apologies for it. We we try to be very, very careful about cultivating the right community here and the right culture of our community. And sometimes that means, even if it's totally not bad meaning, sometimes that means there's going to be a comment or a question sent in that we just don't feel is appropriate to be read on the show. That's not dissing on the people who sent it in. They probably didn't mean anything by it. But we're the custodians of the show. We got to be careful. You also about have that. to think about your audience. Yes. You know, we don't want to, we don't want, I wouldn't want to read, you know, something, an offensive screed. Although if you want to send in inappropriate things to me to not be read on the show, that just is for me, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's keep going here. Al Renshaw writes, uh, giant sharks always make movies better. <laughs> now, now we need the fast family to face off against any army of sharks commanded slash created by Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, yet Toretto would still find a way to win that fight. Listen, the Fast and Furious has gotten so ridiculous that in Fast 9, it was Fast 9, right? He literally grabbed giant chains attached to a stone structure and <laughs> pulled the ceiling down, pulled the roof down. It's like, come on. I, I love me Vin Diesel. You won't know I love Vin Diesel. And I really like the Fast and Furious movies, but this thing's got so ridiculous. You're right. If, if Vin was producing a Fast and Furious movie and he had to fight the Meg, he would win. He would win. The Meg yeah. would just swim away. Yeah. The Meg would just turn around and be like, nah, I'll just go to another island. Yep. I'll go, I'll go hunting for the Brodies. See if I can find uh, one of a remaining Brody or something. All right. Next up. Uh, a. Marcellus writes, seeing the comic characters and animated characters in one episode was a fever dream. I can only hope I get to see Ezra, Ahsoka, and Luke together at least once for a major fight scene. Yeah. Like, listen, I like the episode because it was a good episode. There, there was good story being told and all that. That's why I liked it. I just think we as fans, and I include myself in this sometimes too. So I think I, this is me too. We just like, ooh, this person was there. It's like, who, who cares? Un unless there was something like really important for them to do. You know, I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, I, I love Rosario Dawson's portrayal as Ahsoka. I do. But I thought her appearance in this episode of Boba Fett was absolutely pointless and, and didn't need to be there because first of all, they never explained why she was even there in the first place. And then as soon as 
Mando leaves. She's like, well, I got to go. It's like, well, what Will I ever doing? see you again? Yeah, which was stupid. And it's like, well, what were you doing here in the first place? That whole speech she gave to Mando about, you know, the attachment stuff, blah, blah. That's a speech Luke should have given him. It should have been Luke and Mando looking at Grogu on a, on a hilltop practicing something. But if you had to have her there, at least have some sort of debate with Luke. Taking either side. I think to to get, to have given Ahsoka narrative purpose for being there, I think her and Luke should have had a philosophical debate. And either one of them could have taken the side. Like one of them should have been on the side of, you know, emotional attachments is what part of we as beings are. And maybe Grogu should be allowed to experience that. And then the other person, whichever the other one should be, We've seen what happens to the galaxy when Jedi are allowed to have emotional attachments. Vader went nuts and created genocide. And I think either one of them could have argued that. If you had put in that scene, then I would have kind of felt like there was a purpose for Ahsoka being there other than, hey, everybody, I'm Ahsoka Tano. Remember me? You all love me? Well, well gotta go. And then she's off screen. <laughs> That's, exactly That's exactly what That's exactly what happened. Watch my new show. <laughs> my new show coming up in 2023. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, I think that scene would have been number one, amazing to see. And then number two, again, for me, the most importantly, it, it would answer the question, narratively speaking, why is Ahsoka there? And if you'd given her that, I think it would have given it foundation. Look, I still really like the episode overall, but I just thought that was a little bit of a weird thing. I don't know. What do you think about that? It is a weird, it, it was weird because like you said, I even asked myself, I'm like, so... Is she overseeing the building of the temple? Like, uh, what what's going on here? Like, like, it it did seem like she just kind of just showed up out of nowhere, and then just and left. Then left. <laughs> and and it's it it's like what I don't understand is why wasn't there more of a examination between Mando, Luke, and Ahsoka about Grogu? Like, I want to hear a discussion where Luke says. Grogu's race has been affiliated with the Jedi for a long period of time. So just give us some backstory that we don't know. Yeah. You know, and 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 maybe something that Mandalorian, the Mandalorian Mando Din could have learned something and that that Ahsoka could have weighed in. So we could have had world building there and learned a little bit more about his race and how the, the powers develop. But we didn't get that. That's, you know. And I, I think it could have benefited from it. I, I really do. I think. And I want to see what Ahsoka's ship looks like. Oh, that would be cool too. What is she? She has a ship, obviously, unless she just went to do a walkabout in the woods. All right, let's move on here. Next up, uh, we got uh, City of Swift writes. Uh, Batman is my favorite character alongside Joker. I've been uh, sharing any and all the Batman marketing on my social media, and it's been good. They've been doing some great stuff. I, I may, here's a little question for you guys who watch. Let's see how well you know your host. Who is my all-time favorite comic book character? I'll give you a second to write in your answer. Let's see if you know who my all-time favorite comic book character is. Do either of you guys know? Uh, I would say Batman. Okay, it's not Batman. I do love the it's Batman Superman. character. But, and it's not Superman, although I love Superman. I, Ray, you want to take a guess? Those were my four. Those were nope. my guesses. A bunch of people in the live oh. chat are getting it, though. Anthony Martelli, I think it was the first one to get it. Magneto. Oh, Magneto's my all-time favorite comic book character. I would, I mean, that's, I mean, and you've it's been played by two amazing performers, by, but I mean, Magneto's always been my favorite comic book character. I think there's he's so wonderfully rich and complex and misunderstood. 
and 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 traumatized and oh i just love that character speaking so much. speaking of batman i think i need to take a dip into one of the targets this weekend sometime just to see if the figures are out yet you know they're i bet you they are hopefully they start uh, putting those out soon yeah, yeah. dude we've already we got they got this came out yeah we Why got don't the you batman jump in and go into the 1-6 waters oh man that's that's expensive that's, that's a level that i'm not waters, ready to go man. into yeah. all right let's they're the best here. waters next up uh dylan and con just sends in a super chat badge to be supportive thank you uh Daniel, Daniel. Oh, I like the spelling of that. Anyway, Fanimator writes in, when will Movie Club start? We were going to start Movie Club this week, but it was just two packs. So next week is our first episode of Movie Club. For those of you who don't know, Movie Club is just, we're going to tell you in advance what movie we're going to be talking about that week. We're going to be revisiting some of our favorite movies. And just then we're going to have a big open discussion about, it's going to kind of like be an open spoiler discussion. Yeah. But it's going to be about movies, some of our old favorite movies. So our first one, we've been waiting to do this for like two years now. We're going to be doing Gladiator. Gladiator is the first one we're going to do. So make sure you guys get brushed up on Gladiator. And we're going to have our first movie club uh, video next week. We'll be doing it live. We're going to talk about what we think of it. Ray's going to be watching the movie for the first time. Got to watch the extended version, though. Ah, we stick to no. We'll do the theatrical. It's better. It, they're the only version that exists is the theatrical. Which one? What, but what, what that's movie? not true. But it is true. The theatrical version is the definitive version. What are we talking about? What? what I movie? don't know, man. Gladiator. Gladiator. Oh, Gladiator. Okay. Yeah, when we do Gladiator. Uh, so then, you know, then we will pick the new movies to do every week, and uh, it's going to be me, Rob, and Ray doing it. And we hope you guys will come along with us for that. All right. Uh, next up, Screen Talk writes one of three. Hey, gang, so a few days ago, I wrote in about Friday's Ice Cube's franchise, and you started to talk about the drama that happened uh, recently about... Okay, I can't go searching for it. Guys, one more time, I want to remind you guys, if you guys have a long message to send in, it's like part one of two or part one of three, write it out first and then submit them immediately so we don't have to go hunting for them because you're going to miss part. So if we'll get around to your second part there when we when we get to their screen talk. All right, Selma McShave writes, Boogie Nights will be 25 years old, uh, 25 years old this, uh, will be 25 years this year. Man, I'm old. <laughs> 25 years old. Yeah. For Boogie Nights. Yeah. Heather Graham, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Turd Ferguson, um oh dude there's burt I mean, reynolds of course so many great to. actors uh um uh, he just recently passed not recently but passed away um philip seymour hoffman philip seymour hoffman uh julianne moore don Cheadle. don Cheadle. i mean that's such a great movie so good and the only other movie other than the transformers the motion picture to use you've got the touch <laughs> true. as a song in the movie a uh, 25 years old cannot believe that man all right next up <laughs> We got Suthi Surrettes. Uh, being a huge fan of rock, I have been loving Peacemaker soundtrack. Have been listening every day. The Monster Song by Reckless Love is my new fave. That's the thing. It's, it, it's a great song, but it was used in such a perfect way. And that's the thing. Anybody can pick out some old, old great songs and just drop them in a movie or a TV show. What's special is when you pick the right song for the right scene that, ex that speaks to Rob and accentuates the scene. Why did that come up? I'm not sure. That speaks to the scene and accentuates the scene. And that's what all the music in Peacemaker has done. Do you have a favorite favorite one that's happened in the series so far? Um, I, I, you know, no, not not a specific. I'm just, it's funny. I just keep thinking about it. It's not a yes or no question. Yeah. <laughs> teal. Why teal? 
But I love I know that I has love to do with music. But no, I think James Gunn's he, he his choices and the music supervision of those things has been amazing. I mean, and it's true of Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, next up, Ashay Najir writes, Rob, loved Dota, Dragon's Blood, book one, and loved book two even more. Teared up at the ending on losing one of the best characters in the show. Oh, man. Awesome work. I was, I, I'm not going to say who, but I was like, I talked to series creator Ashley Miller. I'm like, bro, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> he was sure. All Let's right. hope we get a season three. Next up, we got Sidious Swift who writes, uh, watching Jackass and Moonfall tonight. Ooh, Ooh that's now a, that's a time at the movie. That's a double header right there. That's a double header. All right, Ryan Greger writes, uh, what's your most anticipated original TV show of the month of February? I couldn't even, t I'm not really a TV guy. I couldn't even tell you what's coming out this month. I I, no you idea. know what? The new, I got to say, that new ripoff of the blacklist that Marina Baccarin stars in. Oh, right. What's the, that called again? I, uh, to me, we were talking just, about it the other day. I, I do, yeah, I just call it the blacklist ripoff in my mind. <laughs> That's just what it is. But it looks really good. Yeah, you know? other, other than that, I have no idea. Uh, what I, I, whatever it is, I, no I can't idea. believe I'm excited for a network show. They'll get me. I'll watch the pilot. I'll watch the first episode. Oh, yeah. 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 And, uh, it's Marina I mean, yeah. of course. We're and she's look, looking like she's having a great time. Halo is the only thing that matters to me. Oh, when does that come out March. again? March. Right, but yeah, he's we'll asking for February. February. Yeah, but March. That's that, it. That's I don't thing. really care what. Nothing I'm sorry. else. <laughs> it's, it's it's just Halo. All right. Uh, next up, Peter Cunnington writes. I'm extremely disappointed in the way Disney is treating Pixar, putting their movies on Disney Plus. I hope they don't put Lightyear out on Disney Plus as well. Listen, I've I've actually talked to some people, and it's not usually when you hear stories about. Oh, this group of people are unhappy about it. it's it's usually 99% BS. Usually it's like one or two people out of a hundred person organization isn't happy and they'll report it as, oh, there are people unhappy over at this organization when really it's maybe one or two. I've talked to some people, and apparently there's a lot of people, some key people at Pixar that are very upset by the way their films have been treated lately with the moves to exclusively onto Disney plus. And I can't imagine they will do that for Lightyear. I, you, I mean, really, I shouldn't put anything past Bob Chapek at this point. Well, I mean, the movie, I can't imagine them doing that. Can that they? trailer is so gorgeous. It's so good. The design work in it is so amazing. I mean, I, I, that's something I'm really, John, that's something I would love to see in IMAX, you know, mm. a beautiful animated film like that with in Dolby thunderous Dolby Atmos. I mean, I hope they don't. No, I, I can't imagine that they will. Oh, God, please. Because I there might be a revolt at Pixar if they do. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Wiley Todd who writes, Hey, guys, do you have movies that hit you emotionally but you don't love? Mine is Batman versus Superman. Um, No. I mean, it, look, again, I always say movies are experiential events. If there's a movie that connects with me, like if, if a movie connects with me that much, on an emotional level that it actually elicits really strong emotional response for me. I don't know how I don't like that movie. I mean, right. it, it, it's got to be doing something special for me. It may not be the same effect on you, but if it's having that effect on me, I can't really think. Can you think of a movie that gave you really strong, positive emotional reactions that you just ultimately didn't no, like? No, because uh, because if it, if it evokes a strong emotional response for me, that means inherently I'm going to love it. Because it had that effect on me. It was able to affect me in that way. How would I dislike something like that? Mm. You know, Jackass. unless, of course. <laughs> uh, 
Unless, of course, it's Star Trek 09. Oh, uh, you always go back to Star Trek, man. Always goes man. back to Star Trek. All right. Next up, uh, Mickey Bell writes, The Offer, that's the making of Godfather drama coming I can't up. wait. The Offer trailer made me want to see a similar miniseries on the making of Star Wars. So much drama in making that movie possible, as documented on the fabulous Empire of Dreams documentary. I'll tell you what, there is a book... I'm trying to remember the the specific name of it. Give me one second here to look it up. Um, How Star Wars uh, conquered the... Okay, there's there's what it is. This is the name of the book, okay? It's called... It is my favorite book on Star Wars. It is called How Star Wars Conquered the Universe by Chris Taylor. It is seriously... If you are a Star Wars fan, one of the best written uh most well done books on not just the history of star wars and how star wars kind of went through the motions to become as big as it was um but it is fascinating i i highly 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 recommend you guys picking it up it's absolutely wonderful uh, and if you're a big star wars fan uh make that one of your priorities and yeah mickey that would be really interesting to see I, I, like absolutely it would be adam mooney writes hey john and crew i want to thank you all for uh thank you all for all that you do i watch religiously every day while i'm working also appreciated you encouraging uh oh and it was right there okay people to start youtube channels for fun i just started a reaction channel a month ago and can't believe how it has enhanced my viewing experience see that's first of all adam that's great and this is key because i'm always telling people this like, John, you always say you start a YouTube channel, but how do we make money on it? It's like, listen, you're asking the wrong questions. Get, I, I encourage people to get involved in podcasting, blogging, or YouTubing about the object of their fandom, whether their main fandom is about fashion, shoes, cameras, cell phones, music, cars, or movies. Doesn't matter. Not because you're going to be able to make a living out of it. Less than 1% of people are going to be able to do that. But do it because it increases your own experience. Like to, to engage with the object of your fandom in that way and to give back to the fan community, whatever fan community it is that you're with. That's why you do it. And I love hearing that that's what you're doing, Adam. And I love hearing that you're having that positive experience. So thanks for sharing Bravo. that, man. I appreciate that. Was that right? Bravo. Bravo, indeed. All right. Mike Lovato writes, a breaking Boba Fett to make cameo appearance in new book of Boba Fett. The last two episodes uh, have been the best of the show. The last two episodes have been the best of the show. I mean, there's no getting around. No that. argument with that for me. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine talking to anybody, including this guy beside me. I can't imagine anybody disagreeing that the last two episodes have been the best two episodes. And the best characters have been the people around Boba Fett. To be honest, yeah. Did you I mean, see from, the Did you see the the guy's Twitter thread that I sent you this morning? Oh, I didn't get anything from you. This I, morning. I, I I I tagged you on Twitter. Oh, on, I, on see, I very rarely look. Well, at what was interesting? Somebody, somebody, and I don't forgive me if, if if you're watching right now. It was a really interesting thread about. He pointed out that the book of Boba Fett is actually about all of the people that Boba Fett has, whose lives Boba Fett has affected, and he went down and broke it down. Uh, and it was really interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I retweeted it. So if you follow me on Twitter, it was a fascinating thread. I don't know if I totally buy into it, but I, I was like, you know, 
if you go back to the idea of a certain point of view, I was like, okay, this made me at least stop and think and appreciate what we've been getting a little bit more than I had. Yeah. Uh, and it especially made a good argument about why Mandalorian should appear and why Ahsoka should appear, that kind of thing. It's pretty good, but I did tag you in it. All right. Uh, but and I have no problem with those characters appearing. I think it's no. great. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this guy made a strong case that Boba Fett, actually all the characters that are appearing in the show, even people like Black Cristanton and uh, Cad Bane. Fennec, obviously. And all, yeah, all of the people that Boba Fett has affected or somehow tangentially affected throughout his life. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, tangentially. All right. That word. <laughs> let's move on. Next up, uh, let's see. Alex Von Gollum writes, uh, to get Geo pumped, uh, Wen Wu's righteous retribution scene. Hope Tony Leung gets Oscar nomination for supporting. If he does, I'll be as happy as Smeagol when he had the ring uh, in his hand again. Precious, precious. Of course, that was right before he burned to death. <laughs> but yeah, listen, I, I do not think. Look, I am all for Tony Leung. Honestly, oh, yeah. honestly, I am 100% behind the idea oh. of Tony Leung getting a best supporting actor nomination for playing Wen Wu in Shang-Chi. Oh, I wow. absolutely do. Yep. I do not believe for a second he's going to get it, though. I don't believe for a second he's going to get it. And, and by the way, I don't consider that a huge snub. There have been some remarkable supporting actor performances this year. Like, really, really. It's it's not like, it's Wen Wu's, was the, the Wen Wu character by Tony Young is the best and nothing else came close. No, there was a lot of really good performances this year. And so... I will be disappointed that he's not going to get nominated, but I don't think it's it's a slight. I don't think it's a slight. I don't know, Rob, what do you think about that? Well, first of all, you know I've said many times that if I was ever going to be born Chinese, I would want to be Tony Lung. Yeah. I mean, he is my man. If you watch In the Mood for Love, nobody can wear a linen suit the way he can. I love that guy. And if he got If he got an Academy Award nomination, that would be so cool. Yeah, he was so the best cool. part of Chung-Chi. I, I think he was the best person. Well, I think he was. I think because the dynamic between Aquafina yeah. and like I, that was really good too. But he was one of maybe the best. Maybe the to, best to the point where I cared about him. Yeah, at the end is a good thing because he was he weren't supposed to be. But I cared about him living or yeah. whatever. But huh. yeah, it's heartbreaking. I, I cared about Sean Chi's sister. Oh, did I tell you we ended up sitting beside her at the which premiere? Eternals premiere. Oh, we no. ended up sitting right. Be we sat beside her and the guy who played uh, her right hand guy at the fight club, the comedian. What's that comedian's oh, name? Oh, Ronnie. Oh, Ronnie Ch Chang. 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 Ronnie Chang. Chang. He is so funny. It's okay. He I speak so ABC. Funny. He was there. He was wearing a white tux that day and we we're sitting right beside him. So I got up to go to the bathroom and saying, you know, I'm saying, hey, man, I just want to say big fan. He's like, oh, thanks so much. His Prime now. Prime now. <laughs> so funny. I want Amazon now. <laughs> Prime now. He's his. If you've not seen this dude stand up stuff oh, on Netflix, so you funny. have to. He's so funny. Okay, anyway, uh, next up, uh, Christopher Brickner writes, Yoda's lightsaber in Boba Fett uh, means Lucasfilm again retconned the comics. I'd ask how long until movies get retconned, but Rise basically retconned Last Jedi. No, Rise did not retcon Last Jedi at all in the least. I mean, Rise is an awful, awful, awful movie. It did not retcon last shot i in the least uh, we uh, we've already established that completely but yeah i mean listen cobb we were just talking about cobb vanth cobb vanth just what they did with him in mandalorian retconned some of the stuff we knew from the books <laughs> yeah disney came out when they took over star wars they said from now on everything star wars is canon the novels the comic books the movies the tv shows and i said day one 
I said, that's a glorious aspiration you have there <laughs> that you aspire to that. That's great. Wonderful. You're never going to be able to do it. You're never going to be able to do it. And it didn't take long before cracks started to show. Cracks started to show pretty quick. And then they changed their tune. I remember Pablo Hidalgo came out and said, who's one of the guys at Lucasfilm, when he was confronted with an obvious contradiction between something in one of the new novels versus something in one of the movies, he said, well, it's canon until there's something that's not canon. <laughs> and I remember going, yeah, that's like saying somebody's sort of pregnant. It's like, no, something is either canon or it's not. That girl, she's either pregnant or she's well, not. Well, I've been sort of pregnant for years, so. <laughs> so I get it. I mean, it makes sense to some people who live that life. But you know what? Whatever. What life is that? <laughs> just don't don't ask. Just that life. Yeah. Just that life. You look life. and you'll be like, oh, you living that life? I could tell. I'm living. I'm all about that superhero life. <laughs> all right. Let's keep going here. Gavin writes, uh, hi, everyone. Most anticipated horror movie of 2022. I'm very much looking forward to The Curse. The Curse. Curse does look good. Orphan, First Kill, Salem's Lot, Jeepers Creepers, Reborn. Uh, nope. And of course, Hocus Pocus 2. I'm going to go right now with Cursed. Now, nothing this year. What, what what year? It was just a couple of what, years ago. What, you mean ago. no reboot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix? Yeah, not really for me. It's coming up. But there was a, a couple of years ago, we had an absolutely killer year for, for horror films. Like, it was the same year that um, Don't Breathe came out, Lights Out came yeah. out. I mean, it just felt like we had the, uh, some, some, um, some Blumhouse stuff. There was just one year, just a couple years ago, where it's just like, oh my God, this was like the year for great little horror. I feel like this is going to be that year. Do you have anything particular you're looking forward to, Rob, this year? Well, you know what? I do want to see. Nope. I mean, I don't, because we don't know anything about it. Nope. Like, I have yeah, no well, idea what's about. That's why I can't about. get excited for it yet, because I don't know anything yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, it. I just, because the thing is, I loved Get Out and really didn't like Us. I was, I'm exactly the same. I thought Get Out was great. And I thought Us was... But I was so excited to see Us. And then I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, it made no sense. But the title of Nope, it just cool tells you. It just tells you, like, when you're scared the most and go behind that door, there's something... That, nope. Like, there's... <laughs> That's right. That's great watching something. When something scary or freaky or thing that happens on TV and we're watching, it's like, nope. That's not nope, <laughs> nope, 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 so much nope all right next up uh where are we at here we are at john redcorn who writes with all these sony spider-man spin-offs coming i.e morbius madam webb craven what direction do you think sony verse could go what's their plan oh i don't know gotta see the movies first to, to tell I, I i thought about that yesterday i think adding adding uh web in there i think you know how we think marvel's gonna shut down their multiverse Yes. Like in the next uh, Doctor Strange. I actually think they're opening it up for theirs. I don't know. It's just a guess. I mean, look, but that's not a bad guess. If you look at the character of Madam yeah. Web and what she is, it does kind of imply that. So I don't look, all I care about, you can take whatever formula you want and throw it out the window. Do this formula. It'll make them good. No, 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 no. All that matters is that the movie you go in to watch right now is good. <laughs> Nothing else matters. You want to know why the MCU worked? It's not because they built up five individual movies first and then they did a group that... No, 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 that's bullshit. You want to know why the MCU works? Because they made good movies. That's why the, the MCU works. Nothing else matters. They make good movies. So what direction overall Sony's going to go in? I mean, that's that the, the, 
the jury's still out on that. We don't know yet. We got to get some more information. We got to start seeing a couple movies. But I'm not concerned about that at all as, as a fan. I don't care. All I care about is that when I prop, plop down some money in not long from now to go walk in and watch Morbius, that I have fun and that they make a good movie. And as long as you do that, winning cures everything. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what direction the overall Sony-verse goes. It's irrelevant. And everybody gets mad when I say that. I'm sorry, that's the truth. When movies are good, nothing else matters. Like, nothing else matters at all. Here's a great example of that. Spider-Man No Way Home. Right? That Venom ending was awful. It was absolutely awful, what they did with Venom at the end there. The whole, really, the whole thing at the end of Venom 2 and bringing him over, making a big deal out of it was just so he could have a couple of drinks and then get magically shot back. And oops, the magic forgot to take all of Venom. But you know why nobody harps and whines and complains about it? Because the movie was great. It's true. If that movie had been bad, everybody would be bitching and complaining and moaning about that scene. And rightfully so. But we don't because the movie was so good. When movies are good, nothing else matters. I also oh, go ahead, Ron. Well, I was gonna say to me, it seemed sort of out of place. Like in in that movie, it seemed like that scene. I understand why they did it because it's Spider Man, but if there's a multiverse of madness, it seems like it belonged more in the Doctor Strange movie. I know Venom is a Spider Man character, but literally, they've now spent two movies: the end of Venom. Uh, let there be carnage and spider-man no way home for one joke about venom that you've drawn over two movies where he appears in a new universe and then pops away shouldn't have kind of like ahsoka uh, i mean yeah I mean, it was it was like that's what you've done with this character i mean it's not even it, it doesn't even set anything else up other than there's like a snippet uh, a snippet of the or a smidgen what a smidgen what smidgen a smidgen a smidgen and a snippet i don't know but of venom so there was no fun. It didn't. It's not like I'm waiting for something to happen. You're like, oh wait, when he cleans off the bar that night, what the bartender's going to get infected with the symbiote droplet, and something's supposed to happen. Even that, if that happens, that's dumb, right? But again, the movie was so good, right? That we get to that part, and that was stupid, and we also went, oh, all right, whatever. yeah, yeah, you're right. Nobody cares because it was great, right? And, and just one quick thing, I, I. I want us more standalone movies now. Like I, I, I think yeah, me too. I miss standalone movies. That's why the Batman, I'm liking that just because it's not trying to connect anything. Right. I, I, I with all this multiverse and connecting stuff, I, I'm just ready for a solo movie again. And again, it doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be either. Everything is connected or no. Have both. Have your and that's why I'm kind of excited about this direction Warner Brothers has right now. That they're making the Joker. That they're making. Um, Robert Pattinson's The Batman while they're doing The Flash and Aquaman 2 right. and like get the both best of both worlds yep. and guess what if the movies are good we all win all right look I agree all right uh, absolutely all right let's keep going here next up Alex Von Gollum thanks for sending that in John Redcorn by the way appreciate that man uh, Alex Von Gollum writes hello there regarding No Way Home and the memory erase at the end I think it would be great if in the next movie they address MJ and Peter's story with inspiration from the return with the return to me movie do you guys ever see return to me David Duchovny oh yeah um um um, um I uh, is it um oh it's uh is long it, curly dark hair yeah uh, um from she was uh, Goodwill Hunting good from Goodwill Hunting 
And I cannot remember. Guys well, in the live chat, what, what's you know, that actress's name? I can't, but she's she's beautiful. It's not Mimi Rogers. Amazing. It's, anyway, you know, it's, it's, Return to Me is honestly such a mini driver. Thank you, yeah, Sam Costas and Paul Gibbons an and Red Comet and Ethan Hall. Mini driver. Love mini driver. Return to Me. If you guys don't know anything about Return to Me, here's the basic idea of Return to Me. It's this little romantic comedy that is absolutely wonderful. It's funny. It's charming, but it's beautiful at the same time. Here's the idea. It's got one of my all-time favorite scenes in any movie ever. So David Duchovny plays a guy um, who's married to a wonderful woman, and they, he's so in love with her, and they have this pet dog, and everything's great. Minnie Driver plays a girl who has a serious heart condition and is on a waiting list for a heart transplant. She needs one badly. They don't know each other. The movie opens with David Duchovny and his wife getting in a car accident and his wife dies. Ugh. And they had spent the opening monologue showing or the opening kind of montage of that they're they're so in love and they have this pet dog that loves them both so much. And that whole montage, the opening, the opening of the movie ends with David Duchovny. It starts inside of his house. The door opens and into the house walks David Duchovny, still looking to shovel a little bit of his own wife's blood on his shirt. And the dog comes running up and just looks at the door, waiting for mom oh. to come back in. And David Duchovny, come on, boy, she's not coming back. Oh. Come on, boy, she's not coming back. And he gets more saying, she's not coming back. And then David Duchovny, in the best acting I've ever seen him do, starts to break down and weep and slumps to the floor in front of the door as his dog puts his head on his shoulder and he just keeps saying she's not coming back. Oh, so, man, that's hard. Fast forward, it turns out Minnie Driver ends up getting that heart transplant because his wife was an organ donor. And then they happen to meet later on and then they fall in love. But David Duchovny doesn't know that she's the one who received his wife's heart. It's beautiful oh wow it's I gotta beautiful see that. <laughs> it's a wonderful hilarious john or uh, jim belushi is in it not john belushi jim belushi's in it um it's it's a wonderful beautiful fantastic movie and i just love it alex that you even gave me a return to me reference <laughs> not often people write in with a return to me reference i love that movie and i'm glad you, you put that in alex okay uh next up we go art uh vandaly writes I find it annoying when people use social media as a weapon. It's annoying to pick up. Uh, it's annoying to pick up a phone, in my opinion. I agree. I, I again, I find it very cheap and, frankly, bush league, when either whether it's celebrities or social media influencers or whatever decide to take to social media and weaponize it. It's such bullshit. It's such bullshit. I, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And I hate it when people do that and. It's, to me, it says more about them than anything else. I just think it's, again, we're back in grade two. All right, power is power rights. Uh, I don't know why, and I have no evidence to validate my fear, but I keep having this feeling that they're going to make evil Wanda a variant of our hero one. Uh, expectations aside, I'd just be very disappointed. This is one of the reasons, power is power, why I don't like multiverse stuff. I Because, yeah, you can do whatever, and there's really no consequences. No, oh, it's not actually Wanda. It's a different Wanda. And and to me, that's weak sauce. Look, I just hope that <laughs> this movie, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I hope this movie doesn't give us a bunch of variants for variants sake. I agree. You know, if we see a bunch of like everyone in Hollywood's going to get their cameo in the multiverse of madness playing a variant of blah, blah, blah. I hope that's not the route they're going to go. I don't think it is. 
I don't mind seeing cool variants of what the possibilities are. But the problem then is that then it just opens. Well, wouldn't it be great if such and such comes back? Yeah. And I don't I don't want that to happen. Yeah, I, ho I hope they keep now. By the way, we already kind of got a version of that in the animated in the What If series. Right. right. We already got I, again. That's the problem with time travel and multiverse stuff. There are no consequences. There's no stakes. Oh, we lost our favorite character. No problem. Uh, that same guy from Earth, Zeb Numdy, Zeb Numdy five sixty two five A, is going to come and be our version of that guy now. So there, he's back. Yay! No consequences. I really hope if they do make Wanda go bad, that'd be one of the gutsiest, ballsiest, most daring things the MCU's ever done. And I'm so excited at the idea that they might do that. But if they do it, I'd rather them not do it at all than do it and say some kind of BS. Oh, it's a uh, Universe Zeb Ultra 9D's version of Wanda that did it. It's like, okay, well, what the hell? It's Tom Cruise. It's Tony Stark. Why did we even watch this movie? Yeah. You know, I, that, I uh, so I hope they don't do that. Fingers crossed. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Danielle and Con writes in. Uh, Rob, your cliff notes on why current Trek TV is bad. I think the production design VFX are much better, but storytelling uneven. Uh, what did, what would it take to win you over? That's a good question. You know what? For me, it comes down to the exact same thing. It's always characters and story, which really begins with the writing. And look, science fiction is a very literary based genre. And I think like with any great art, you have to have a grasp of the fundamentals. And I think the problem that I've had with modern Star Trek is always the writing. And I think a lot of people that don't necessarily have a background in science fiction are trying to write science fiction and it doesn't work for me. All right, next up we've got Christopher Brickner who writes, that comment about the rise of Skywalker retconning the last Jedi is a joke. Okay, just want to make sure there's no confusion. Well, I appreciate it because there have been a lot of people who think this retcons that. It's like, no, it's terrible, but it didn't retcon it. So thank you for clarifying that, Chris. I appreciate that, man. James Argenta writes, um, FYI, uh, Wendig's got fired for tweets from Lucasfilm in 2018 for comments on Twitter. Yeah, I, I remember something about that as well. But again, I mean, that doesn't really change the current situation. Uh, and it does raise an interesting question. It does. And it, again, I think, of course, look, I don't think it's a problem. I don't think it's a problem that Disney and Star Wars did not put a special thanks or any kind of a credit into Wendig in there. But it would have been nice. And it wouldn't have cost them anything. So it's one of those things where I acknowledge they didn't need to do it, but they could have. Yep. And, and it wouldn't have been any skin off their nose, regardless of what the history was. But uh, just a thought. All right. Thanks for that, James. Next up, uh, B. Gill Studios writes, I saw somewhere that the China description for Doctor Strange 2, Marvel is making Doctor Strange as the new leader for the new MCU Avengers thoughts. I read something about that like we talked about that there was a there was a description we talked about on the john campy show a number of weeks ago where there was a, a synopsis that came out on one of the international sites that kind of suggested that dr strange was now like the foremost avenger or something like that but take everything with these international synopsises at with it because what has happened rob you and i know what has happened is sometimes just the distributors in those international markets will literally just make up a synopsis of their own and kind of put it out for marketing sake or whatever. So I wouldn't read too much into it just yet, but that is a possibility. What do you make of it? I, I agree with you. Always wait. Don't, don't, don't take anything at face value until it's time to take it at face value. All right. Next up. 
We got John Redcorn who writes in again. One of two. In my opinion, Sonic 2 makes the most money in April. Between all the the depth drama and the reception of the last film, I don't know if Fantastic Beasts is going to do all that well. Um, uh, Morbius is unknown and been delayed a lot. Well, here's the thing. Sonic 2 will make a bunch of money, but... Um, let me just bring this up again. Sonic 1 didn't make that much money at the box right. office. Like, it didn't make, like, $500 million. Let me open it up. I think we're made in the $300 range. Where are we at? There it is. Yeah. $319 million, which which is pretty good. It's not bad. I mean, and the movie was better than I thought what it would What did it be. make domestically? Domestically made 148 so just under 150 That's respectable. It's very respectable. It's very respectable. Now, if we go to the new um, Fantastic Beasts... Let me just see what the last one made. Uh, the Crimes of Grindelwald made $654 million. So it made more than double of what the first Sonic did. Right. I think between the whole Potter 20th anniversary thing they just did with the popularity of that, that even if this next movie takes a dip, I don't see Sonic making $500 million. So I think Sonic can make more than the last one did. And I think this Fantastic Beast movie can make less than the last one did. And Fantastic Beast still comes out on top. So I, I'm i going to disagree. I mean, you're right. Morbius is a total wild card right now. Morbius is an absolute wild card. We have no mm-hmm. idea what that's going to do at the box office. But I still think Fantastic Beast is. And honestly, I think far fewer people actually care about the depth situation than watching shows like mine might lead you to believe that they do. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Not that there aren't people out there who care. Of course there are. Absolutely there are. But in in the grand scheme of the larger, wide movie audience, I mean, there's a lot of little communities where it becomes big echo chambers. And as much as we've talked about it here, I really do not sense that as many people in the general audience care. So I'm going to take Fantastic Beasts is going to beat out Sonic. What do you think? Oh, I think every day and twice on Sunday will Fantastic Beasts beat out Sonic. And it's looking pretty good. The trailer, I think the trailers have been thought, good. And look, Mads Mickelson taking over. But by the way, also last night, Jackass, that Ray and I were there, they played the Sonic 2 trailer as well. It's like, this does look delightful. <laughs> like the Sonic True, I mean, Jim Carrey is gold in this role. Yeah. As Robotnik, he's gold. And the trailer looks great. And when Idris Elba goes, what makes you think I need your power? I'm like, oh, like, it's just <laughs> so good. Well, it looks uh, like everyone's having a fun time. Yes, it looks like you're, so. and I, I think both are going to be good, but I, I do think Fantastic Beast comes out. But who knows? We'll find out. We'll, maybe we'll change our mind when we get Proof closer. Proof is coming. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, Taran Kumar sends in a super chat badge to be supportive, as does Gary Phillips. Thank you guys so much for that, just for being supportive. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and Tonic writes, Hey guys, Lord of the Rings are my favorite films of all time. You're not alone. But I'm not well versed in the books. Is there a good chance we'll see Sauron in the flesh? Um, also, what are your predictions of who will be the main villain for season one with the budget? Do you think we'll see groundbreaking mocap effects? Um, we will, we will not see groundbreaking mocap effects in terms of movies, but I think we're going to see stuff on TV that we've never seen before stuff. That's only before been reserved for the highest budgets of movies, because in as much as everybody says they make TV shows today with movie budgets. No, they don't not even close, not even close. But this one does. And I think they're going to break a lot, lot of ground. Rob, I keep forgetting who 
in the first and second age, who's the guy that Sauron actually works for? Well, Sa- yeah, Sauron's a Sauron be- is a is in human form, but he's you know? and he's he's a. But I, I can't. I, what is the I name of the even, dude? I think, I Morgoth think it's the, and all. I was going to say, it starts with an M. It, it, it's my, Moonfall. That's right. Bill, Morgoth, Bill, I, I Bill 4993 even, says it's Moonfall. You know, <laughs> I, I read the Silmarillion. It is when Morgoth. It, by it the is, way. Yeah, yeah, Morgoth. And I, uh, there's, there's, so Sauron is actually, in, if memory serves, in human form. I am by no means Stephen Colbert. I am not a Tolkien scholar. So, and I, the thing about the Second Age, it was, it was all in the appendices and the Silmarillion. But it's going to be a lot of political machinations, and we're going to actually. I would think that the core of the story is how Sauron becomes Sauron, and then wants to take over uh, Middle Earth. So I'm, I'm, fa- I think the story that they can tell is going to be great. The problem is, unlike Lord of the Rings. We don't have characters. We don't know their voices. Right. It wasn't yeah. like there was no books written. So about the there's all this there's all this history, but we don't know the characters. And we don't know their voices. And it, again, like with Star Trek, it's really going to come down to great writing. We need great writers that are writing this show, and I'm hoping that we're going to see that. I hope they spent the money on on the writing. By the way, I want I want to point something out here. When I said like people say they make it with movie budgets, no, they don't. Okay, so like. Uh, toe786 asking like bringing up he brings up points says I am pretty sure TV shows watch me this is in the live chat uh, uh, match movie budgets Game of Thrones was like 15 million per episode yes 15 million per episode 15 million for a one hour long episode that means in two hours the length of a movie they spend 30 million dollars you know how much they spend on a two hour Marvel movie 200 million dollars See, that's why I say when people say they make the thing, it's like, no, on a per minute basis, they're making, they make even the most expensive TV shows today, other than Amazon's Lord of the Rings, they spend one third of what movies spend on a per minute basis. And also, I mean, that, that budget for Game of Thrones is in the final seasons. It didn't cost that much at first. They built up to that as it becomes more and more popular and they have to give you more bang there's more dragon shots than there were you know danny flying around in her dragons is not cheap no not cheap that's why you get a lot of expensive things but again like somebody pointing out like one season an eight episode season game of thrones like 120 million dollars yeah but that represents four movies that would have been 800 million dollars i mean so again but this lord of the Rings show is gonna be the first one ever that actually does have legit big blockbuster movie budget it's gonna be really interesting to see how well they do it or how bad they blow it so we'll have to see all right let's see josie reviews writes we almost had the moon trilogy moonlight moonfall and moon night uh but 42 percent for moonfall rotten tomatoes is way too high listen there's no such thing as a score that's too high or too low it is what people thought it was I thought it was terrible, but, and six out of 10 people seem to agree with me, but four out of 10 people had a good time. And that's the beautiful thing about movies, Josie, is that we all have our different experiences with it. And <laughs> 42% of the people liked it. Awesome. I celebrate that. I'm glad they had a good time. I'm jealous that we didn't get to have a good time like they did. I mean, that's great. So I'm happy for that. All right, next up. Uh, Ella C sends in a super chat badge to be supportive. Thank you, Ella. Uh, John Redcar, oh, we already had that. Uh, Tarun Kumar writes, Will Batman have a $200 million opening weekend? Well, I'm saying 195. And that's that that might be a little too optimistic on my part. But listen, I will tell you what, 
with it having the initial projections that Spider-Man No Way Home had, if, and there's a lot of ifs here, but if the marketing continues to be as strong as it has been, and if the final trailer for this movie kills it like the last one did, and if really super positive word of mouth starts coming out about this, then I think $200 million is on the board. I think it's in the discussion. I get, I, I'm still coming a little bit under that at 195 myself, but 200 million becomes within the realm of possibility. Rob, what do you think it's going to take for this movie to hit a milestone like 200 million? I, I just don't know. It, for me, it's the length, John. And you know, at almost, at almost three hours, they can't get, they, they physically can't get a number of showings. But Spider-Man No Way Home was also long. It wasn't as long, but I mean. Endgame. Endgame made over 300 million and it was I clocking know. around the three hour mark. I know. And this ain't Endgame, but... You know, but again, I also think the family audience, the tone of the movie, it's the length and the tone. Do I think it can make $200 million? I don't. But that doesn't mean it's not... If it's great, it'll play longer. So I'm yeah. not saying that it can't make a billion dollars. I think it probably very well oh, could yeah, make a billion A lot of movies dollars. have gone on to make a billion dollars that didn't yeah. make $200 million opening weekend. I, I don't think that the box office for this movie is going to be as front-loaded as some. All right. I think it's going to continue to play, though. Well if it's good. All right, next up, we've got uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and Tonic writes. Also, what are your predictions of who will be the main villain of season one? Oh, we already, we are uh, with the budget. Do you think we'll see? We already, oh, sorry, we already covered that. All right, Mr. Cool Breeze 69 writes. Uh, where are we at here? Fun challenge to you, John. Twilight Boy, RP, or Robert Pattinson. What names would you equate uh, to the other actors who played Batman and some people saying WTF, really? Well, I mean, with Michael Keaton, it was like, it, it, like I remember, with Michael Keaton, it was Mr. Mom? Yeah, it was Mr. Mom. <laughs> Mr. Mom is playing Batman? I mean, that was, the, everybody hated it. Or, not everybody hated it, but everybody was very, like, skeptical. Skeptical. Michael Keaton is not large in stature. But he was this comic guy. And again, the big narrative was Mr. Mom. I never really sensed any of a problem. Like with Val Kilmer, I, I sensed a lot of excitement when they had cast Val Kilmer uh, to, be, to be Batman. And George Clooney was already George Clooney. So there was a lot of excitement about that as well. But yeah, I, I mean, and then obviously with Ben Affleck, there was no specific thing. It was just Ben Affleck? Geely? <laughs> like that I, I mean so there was a lot of that with him but again with the Kilmer and Clooney thing I don't remember do you remember much about any of those castings for Batman no I mean I think I don't remember anybody dis uh not liking Val Kilmer as Batman I remember people liking that choice and with George Clooney I think people understood it but yeah I didn't uh, I don't remember any backlash so I thought Val Kilmer was quite good actually yeah so that the movie wasn't great but I thought Val Kilmer did a very good job I you know what I really like I don't know why I was thinking of this there was a scene in that when they thought Nigma, no, Nigma killed somebody, right? And they're walking through Wayne Enterprises. Bruce Val Kilmer is being briefed by one of his executives about the guy. And he's given the instructions that write this, blah, blah, and make sure his family gets full benefits. And the executives, well, really, we don't need to do that because of this and that. Full benefits. And it's like, I just remember the way he acted in that scene. I'm thinking... He's a good Bruce Wayne. He's a really good Bruce Wayne. Anyway, yeah, there was that. All right, next up. Uh, let's see. Uh, the 
Badass94 writes, If he could still remember Peter somehow, I think the MCU could tell an original, compelling, and emotional story involving an estranged Uncle Ben. But why? What's what's the point? Look, I, I will say this, and, and a few years ago, it would have felt like sacrilege to say this. This MCU version of Spider-Man does not need an Uncle Ben. He had it. It was his Aunt May. And, and that moment, that whole experience, look where they leave him. I love where they've left him at the end of No Way Home. So you realize his entire, all of Spider-Man's appearances in the MCU is what it, it was forging the man he has now become. He's now at he's now at square one after he's gone through these life experiences. I mean, I can't wait to see what they do with him. I agree. Now, look, to your point, now, when you're asking, they could tell an original compelling emotional story involving Uncle Ben. Sure. But you could tell all of that about anything. You could have Dimitri, the super spy Zevia can. <laughs> doom, doom, doom. By day, he carries around delicious Zevia to which Sean drinks. But at night, he becomes Dimitri. And like, you could. You could do that with anybody. Or you, you realize you just you just gave birth to, to a new meme for this show that's going to last for years to come. I'm just saying Dimitri, you could do that. The superhero Zevia can. Dimitri, the super spy Zevia can. Super there spy. Alright, uh, let's go. Next up, we got Cody Hunt right. Saw Jackass. The best bit was the blackout rooms. It's it's. I think Ray would agree with you. Yep. I mean, that, that was good. That was funny. That, was, that, that one was really good. And you know what? Like, when you're seeing guys getting hoofed in the balls and stuff like that, yeah, as a man, as a man. You feel it. Not only do you feel it, you physically respond to it. Like, when Francis Naganu was punching the dude in the balls, I think every man in the theater went, like, and when you see that, that, that happens. But there's something when you can, you can identify with the terror somebody must be feeling. And that blackout room, Ooh, I was like, oh my God, I felt so stressed for the guys in it. And and the setup was great. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. Yeah, the but the setup, there's a reason why they are acting that way. Yep, and they yeah. did a great job with it. All right, uh, let's keep going here. Sam Fisher writes, wasn't the Aftermath novels work for hire? Yeah, probably. Again, there was no re they were, did not owe it to him, and he knows that, or else he would have been calling his lawyers to get on something. They didn't owe it to him, but it just it would have been nice. I think we can all agree it would have been nice if they did. Uh, Josie Reviews writes, Jackass Forever was my first Jackass film in theaters, and it was so much fun being in a room with a lot of people laugh and moaning together, but I don't want male parts anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I I just I do not know what possesses people to do the stuff that they do. But I'm telling you, and it sounds weird to say about a movie like Jackass. I say this about Comic-Con all the time. You know, people often ask me because I'll go to entire Comic-Cons and never go into the convention center. I mean, many I do, but quite often I don't. I never the whole I'll be there the whole week and I won't even step foot in the convention center. <laughs> but people often ask you, why do you love Comic-Con so much? And what I always come back to is this. When you go to Comic-Con in San Diego, now you're asking, what does this have to do with Jackass? I'll show you how this connects. <clears throat> but when you go to Comic-Con in San Diego and the weather's great and there are 100,000 people in the streets and all of them are smiling and laughing, high-fiving complete strangers because they love what their cosplay is yeah. or they're wearing a shirt of something that they also love. And you can tell these are people who have saved up for six months to come here and make this trip. And everybody is in a festive, glorious, wonderful move, mood. And I always say, I love coming to Comic-Con because it's good for my soul. 
it's good for the soul to just be there where, when you're surrounded by people celebrating and are happy and having a great time, there is something nurturing for your soul to be a part of that with jackass and experiences like that sitting in a movie theater with a lot of strangers and people laughing together and like responding like, oh, like together, whatever. To me, this is part of the beauty and the magic of going to the movies and why watching the fucking movie and your fucking stupid TV with a dumb, what you think is a good surround sound, but is nothing compared to a real movie theater will never equate, will never come close to the experience of watching a movie the way it's meant to be seen in a movie theater is because being in that type of an environment, I came out, it was good for my soul. Dude's getting punched in the balls. I know it sounds weird to say, but doing that in that full theater with people, laughing together, having a good time, it's good for the soul. And Jackass did that. And I, now, maybe not as much for Ray, but for me, I was like, I, I just felt great. Ann and I were talking and smiling all the way home. It was, it was it, just it, great. Did you hear what I? the first thing I said when we walked out of the No, theater? what was it? I said, there was so much balls. Yeah, there's so much balls. That's it. That's all. That's the very first thing I said. That was a lot of balls. <laughs> there was a lot of balls in that. There's no doubt. There really was. All right. Uh, thanks. For, I'm glad you had that experience, Josie. I really do. All right. Co uh, Cody Hunt writes, new Riddler. The theme dropped today. It's awesome. You and I were talking about that before yeah. the show start. What did you like about it? Well, it's again, I, it, it harks back to the animated series. And it had, I have to say, both of the pieces of music that have dropped are more... They're very atmospheric. Yeah, they're atmospheric. I, I want to say whimsical, but they're not more more playful than I thought. The beginning like, of it certainly was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. you know, because the because the James Newton Howard Hans Zimmer scores for for Dark Knight. I mean, they're so percussive and boom, boom, boom. But this is more melodic and more haunting uh, and more gothic. Uh, but I loved it. Yeah, I, I, so that well. that Joker theme, how it starts really small, but then builds and gets huge. It's really great. All right. Next up, we got Luna Zen, Luna Zen seven, who writes uh, the art of movie posters is truly lost nowadays. Many of them aren't memorable like they used to be in the past. Tired of them floating heads. Listen, I agree. First of all, there don't abandon it too quickly. There are still some great movie posters oh, that yeah. come out. There absolutely are, but you were right. But we can't get too terribly mad at the distributors who do it because they actually have research data to support that those unimaginative, unremarkable floating head posters actually become more recognizable for the audience and it actually helps them market their stuff. And I, it, it sucks that that's the case, but it is kind of the case. Look, you know, I'm a movie. I, well, I was a big movie poster collector. And for me, I loved, cause growing up loving comics, I loved artwork and I love, I used to think that a, a movie poster or what it's called, it's called key art, that key art should mythologize in one image, the entire movie. Look at the original mm -hmm. Star Wars posters. Yep. The the Empire Strikes Back, the Gone with the Wind kissing poster. Can I can I give you one? Because I've always said the exact same thing. I said I love movie posters that capture the spirit of the movie in one frame. Yep. Here's mine. 
Shawshank Redemption, the poster of him from behind on his knees in the rain with his arms you know, lifted up. It's like, that's the movie in one frame. Now, what's interesting about that, that's a photograph, but it's yes. an actual moment from the movie. I, I would agree with you. You know, that was that. But again, it doesn't show faces. It's just, yeah. you know, you're watching a, an emotion. I agree. You know, and they just don't do that anymore. Like you said, because of marketing and floating heads. I, I really blame Simpson Bruckheimer. The two movie posters I blame for the state of movie posters are Flashdance and Beverly Hills Cop. Because they in Flashdance, you just had Jennifer Beale sitting there with her torn, her famous torn sweatshirt. Yep. And with Beverly Hills Cop, it was just a picture of Eddie Murphy sitting on the hood of a red Mercedes. And that was it. And I got that. But it was just telling you, yep, Eddie Murphy's in this movie. But it didn't tell you anything about what it was like to feel what was it going to feel like to see this movie yeah. where and I all my movie posters are old you know but again when it when it comes back to the fact that these distributors who are putting these movies out they get data that shows me that these types of posters help sell the movie it's one of those situations where it's like don't hate the player hate the game right and also actors uh, contractually have get, to, they have they have approval and they have to be on 25% or 50% of the poster so it's all changed yeah now a lot of contracts will require a movie to have like seven heads on it and it's like i hope they change that i really do all right anyway next up well said uh, mighty tank one right still going to try movie club sounds like fun yep we are again we're going to kick it off we were going to do it this week but we had too much going on next week we're going to launch with our first episode of movie club uh, al renshaw writes should i watch moonfall a second time or jackass I mean, look, it all depends on your sensibilities. I would certainly recommend going to check out Jack Ash Al. Addison writes, finally saw Scream uh, and John, and probably meant I, and I loved it. My only issue was that I found one of the two killer reveals to be obvious 10 minutes in. Absolutely true. Uh, listen, I had a good time with Scream. It's the first Scream movie I've liked since the original Scream, <laughs> I, and I liked it. But to your point, one was completely obvious. And the other one made absolutely no freaking sense <laughs> when you look at what happens. And I can't go into any more to give away spoilers, but when they revealed one of them as a killer, I'm like, how the F does that make any sense whatsoever when this happened earlier in the film? Yeah. But whatever. I still had fun with it. I still had a good time with it. All right. Chris Stovall writes, uh, most underrated actor in your opinion, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Uh, I'd say uh, Adewale Akinoye. Abij, I've never pronounced his name right, or Oz, Mr. Echo from Lost. He's always had that iconic kind of hair thing. The two I always go back to are Chiwetel Ejiofor, although he did get an Academy Award nomination. So yeah. he's moving out of that underrated, but I still think he's not given his due. And uh, Ben, crap, 310 to Yuma. Ben uh, and and Arch he was oh, played Archangel in the one in the one uh, yeah yeah Ben um, Foster. Foster Foster thank you Ben Foster Chutel for to me the most underrated actress in Hollywood what about you Rob when you think underrated performer who do you think of oh my God uh, oh, underrated that's so hard um, I don't know I can't I. I I only like think an of, actor you love seeing that nobody well I know one of your favorite guys he was he was just in the Rise of Skywalker. He, and he got nominated for an Academy Award with uh, Melissa McCarthy's movie. Wait, who am I? Oh. <laughs> He's like one of your favorite Oscar guys. Isaac? No, no, no. He, Melissa McCarthy's uh, 
Please Forgive Me or whatever he was nominated for. Oh, my God. Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant. Yes. You love that dude. I, he doesn't get love Richard E. Grant is one of my favorite actors. If you haven't seen with Nail and I, I was, I was wondering where you're going. Yes, he was in. And why haven't they made a hot toy of Richard E. Grant? I don't know. <laughs> I love, if you have not seen with Nail and I, one of the great movies ever made, you should. A lot of people will go, what do you mean, Rob? After they'll, You'll watch it. Trust me. If you're a Brit, if you're from the UK, you know what I'm talking about. Nobody else does, but. Brits, Brits Richard E. Grant. All right, next up, Tim Platt writes. So you know me better than me. <laughs> I know Rob's pretty well. All right, Tim Platt writes. If I'm if I'm dying laughing just because from your description of Jackass Forever, I'm beyond hyped for this movie now. <laughs> Listen, I put up our little quick one and a half minute out of the theater reaction overnight, and b- before I knew it, I looked at it again. There was like forty thousand views. It was a good one, by the way. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. It right? looked and sounded great. It did, it did. I did a little bit of post-production work on the audio oh, on that one. Pretty good. But, uh, but that iPhone camera is doing pretty well. I still think the Samsungs have better cameras. I really do. But uh, but the audio on it was that the mics on the Apple phones are pretty good, darn good. All right. Amin writes, percentage chance we get some kind of Lord of the Rings teaser during the Super Bowl. I myself would probably say 58. I'll tell you what. I think it's closer to 5%. And, and I'll, I'll tell you the main reason why. Why would you spend six and a half million dollars for a 30 second spot on a show you don't even have coming out for seven more months and everybody's going to forget the spot in about three weeks? What's the point that I, I just I just don't see why. What's the, the 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 purpose of it? What function does putting out some spot on the Super Bowl right now? If that show doesn't even come out for seven months, it, it's just there's no point. You get people hyped about it. They see it. Great. But hype is like water in a leaky bucket. It dissipates and it disappears. <laughs> the amount of money they've already spent. What do they care? <laughs> I, I mean, they got to care because of the amount, the amount of money they spent. You, you don't really start doing your serious marketing push on this till about maybe three months out. I mean, with those posters, though, you know, they introduced, what was that? 20, they made 22 posters. How many posters? They 11, 21, 22 posters. Yeah, I mean, it's like crazy. All those character posters. You'd think that, okay, well, if they're going to do that, I, I wouldn't put it past them. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I would be very surprised. It's just far too early. But remember, I don't know, but the, that people are going to watch that. It is. It but is. what does it accomplish? <clears throat> By like putting that out seven months before this show airs, what does ultimately what does throw what does that six and a half million dollars accomplish for you? I don't know. They'll put it on. They'll put it. They'll get two hundred million views on YouTube as well. But they'll get that later. I know. When they'll know. benefit from it more being close. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not going to say it's impossible. But he's saying fifty eight percent. What do you think that they're, we're going to see? Uh... Well, since they release the posters, I'd say usually that that means they're going to release some kind of a trailer, some kind of a teaser. So uh, uh, can I go equal? I'll say 60 percent. I right, think they're going to okay. do it. So I'm going to go five. So we'll we'll see. All right. That's a good number. All right. Next up. We got Mufasa writes. The Meg books were phenomenal. I know you like. I only read the first one. You're, the, the second one, I believe, is called The Trench, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, so well, that's probably what's based that. on there a well, little bit. Well, then maybe someone will write a third one and we'll a lot get of the shopping really like Meg books, trilogy. Mufasa. All right. Elizabeth Gerardo writes. Uh, finally watch Pam and Tommy. Wow. There are there are many things I don't ever want to see. One of them is Sebastian Stan in a thong. Yeah. And there's more. You see a lot more than Sebastian Stan in a thong. <laughs> if you had told me this week, hey, John, you're going to watch a three-minute scene of a man having a conversation with his own dick, I would have said, no, that's probably not going to happen. 
but it did. <laughs> Sebastian uh, Stan. to me every day. Talking surprise! To, <laughs> surprise! Sebastian Stan having like a three-minute conversation with his own penis. Standing there naked with his penis lifting up and down and talking to him. Never thought I was going to see that this week. It's like, that's the Winter Soldier, ladies and Do gentlemen. Do you think it was puppeteered or was it CG? I think it was puppeteered. I think it was animatronics. All right. I think there's a little bit of Jabba the Hut going on in there. So that's what I Do think. you mean three people operating it? Three people operating it. Oh. All right. Uh, next up, we got Bobby Jackson who writes, I've also seen where creators are credited, but then want more money for their creation. So maybe they don't credit to avoid that conversation. Um, no, putting them in the credits doesn't, doesn't um, that doesn't, obligate them to then giving financial reward nor does giving a special thanks say or suggest that this person deserved because you know you write into the credits we want to thank robert meyer burnett for creating this character this movie would not have been possible without him we can't even think about how this would happen well then robert meyer burnett can go to a court and say look they admitted themselves that this couldn't have been made without me and i need to... but now nah, he's he's entitled to no financial compensation i think they know that so it I don't think that's show friends. It's show business. If you don't get what you deserve. You get what you, you negotiate. negotiate. All right. Next up. Um, let's see. Uh, Mr. Coolbreeze 69 writes one of two. Uh, we, the people want to apologize for you having to scroll up and down to find your, con- to find our continued <laughs> thoughts. And he puts it as one of two and doesn't have the next one there. <laughs> that's great. Um, thank you for that. Mr. Coolbreeze. Mufasa writes, uh, there are about seven Meg books. I love the series. I have no. Is that true? Are there that many books? I only. I, I, don't I knew know. about two. I didn't know there was more than that. Well, apparently, you know, people love Meg. Uh, I, Megalodon. I have, Who doesn't? The Megalodon. I have <laughs> no Megalodon, idea. Dude. Thanks for letting me know that, dude. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Harv's K writes. Station Eleven is a bit uh, meandering and messy, but I don't think I've seen such a humanistic post-apocalyptic story. Really beautiful, even uplifting. And I'm still on episode one. I I, I finished episode one. I've not gotten around episode two yet. But I was going to watch it the other night, but then I realized Pam and Tommy had come on. That had three episodes. Had to watch that last night. Going to go see Jackass. I I just haven't been able to. I got to delve into Raised by Wolves now. Just tell you. Did you watch the first episode? Not, not the second not season. Not the second season? Okay. I'm waiting to find out from you if it's any good. Yeah, I'm going to watch it this weekend. All right. I'll delve in. Next up, uh, where are we at? We're at Seconds from Disaster Rights. I think you might be my real dad. That was <laughs> so funny. Uh, how the hell are they just going to breeze right over that question in Peacemaker? That was so damn funny. My mom was so, oh, yeah, I remember her, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was right about this. I think you might be my dad. And then just, just gloss over it. <laughs> By the way, it was good to see the janitor back. Oh, yeah. Because I remember thinking. Well, I love that guy. Oh, he's so good. It's so funny. But I remember thinking, man, that dude had one scene in the first episode. And he gets to be in the opening credits of the show. But it was good to see him back. Yeah. That was pretty fun. But it was a, it was a long scene. Yes, it was it a was long good. scene. All right. Uh, Noah uh, Drassen writes, I'm seeing Moonfall later. <laughs> uh, I think we've done more with you, my friend, Moonfall on this show than anyone else. Uh, I think we really do. Lionsgate I think... needs to give us. You know what? We people talk about us being shills. We have completely shilled for Moonfall, and we have got nothing to show for it. I'm pretty sure at least eight percent of Moonfall's box office will be a result of our from us talking about <laughs> Lionsgate. It. Hook us up. At least get me a free 4K. Come on now. What's All right. up? Next up, we got Mufasa writes, also, the books are nothing like the movie. Yeah, I've heard that. I, I've heard that they separate. But then again, a lot of a lot of movies deviate from the original material a lot. Sometimes they need to. Uh, Rhett Proctor writes, 
the Batman is most certainly going to get a sequel. Is there a specific villain you would like to see for me personally? I want to see either Scarecrow, Mr. Freeze, or Clayface. I, I've been asked this question a lot, Rhett, and I've always given the same answer, and that is this. I don't care. I, I, I really don't because what we have found out and learned in all these comic book movies is that who they pick to be the villain gives zero influence on whether or not the movie's good or bad. I mean, you look at, um, you look at, I keep going back to this one, but you look at all the Fantastic Four movies. Dr. Doom is irrefutably one of the most celebrated, greatest villains in comic book history. And they've got four goes at it with him. And none of them are good. Putting him in a bad movie didn't make the movie any better. So also, what's the tone? Yeah, I, I look. I love Clayface and Mr. Freeze. So do and I. I, I especially love Clayface and the Harley Quinn. Show. But the but the question is the tone of this movie. Could you imagine from what we know from the trailers, Mr. Freeze? No. You know, and that's the thing. I could see a Scarecrow esque type of a character. Scarecrow would be great. But and Clayface, Clayface. You know, I would love the Court of Owls. Because that's more along the lines of what this kind of Batman yeah. looks like to me. And listen, they're, Warner Brothers recognizes that. They've been leaning a lot. Like, even one of the upcoming games is really focused on Court of Owls, the ones they the promoted at uh, DC Fandom this year. Right. They were pro So they're going heavy into Court of Owls. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we even get some references to Court of Owls in this first Batman yeah. movie. That might be something they expand on. But again, if, if, it, if, you, get, if you take your villain, whoever it is, and you write them well and make them compelling and have a great story surrounding it, it doesn't matter who the villain is. Nope. And so I, I would just sit back and say, hey, Matt Reeves, you pick whatever villain you want. Because I wouldn't have picked Riddler, but oh my God, does Riddler look good in this movie? Well, yeah. And, and if, again, they've they've reworked the character to fit yep. the tone of the film. And also we're getting, I can't the believe penguin? we're getting Penguin and Catwoman. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, these classic bat villains that I would also have said, are we going to get penguin in this movie? But we are. And he looks like a great mobster. Yeah. Oh, I can't I wait. Know, so, man. Yeah. Ultimately, Rhett, I just want to see what Matt Reeves wants to give us, because I just believe whatever character they pick, he's they're going to write it well, and then it's going to be great. So other than that and readapt that Affleck script, I'd love to see Deathstroke. Oh, I'd so love to see Deathstroke. I, I would love to see Manganiello as Deathstroke. Yeah. Deathstroke. I think he'd be great. All right. Fanimator writes. Uh, how did you reserve your Spider-Man private screening, John? I'm thinking of doing that for Batman for my birthday. Well, that was a gift to us. So uh, we'll put that aside. But for a lot of movie theaters, what happened during the pandemic was movie theaters were really trying to find ways to generate some revenue. And they came up with a great idea. Let you book your own private theater. I know you can do that with AMC theaters. Just go on the website. You should be able to find how to do it. And, and you, it's, a, it's a little pricey. But uh, you are able to do it if you want to do that. So, And I'm sure Regal and others do that as well. All right. Mike Joyce writes, wish me luck. Moonfall, Jackass, double feature tomorrow. That's the second person who wrote in saying doing Moon Knight and Jackass To tomorrow. me, though, you know what? That's kind of a perfect double feature. <laughs> if you're going to go to a double feature, Moonfall and Jackass. Might you be can, a good pairing. You can dine out on that for the next six months. Come on. All right. Next up, Fanimator Watch. Ticket Watch. Time for the Batman. I think it might be. I, I think I think February 10th, we may have to do ticket watch for the Batman. We'll have to wait and see what time of the day it happens in. Um, oh, Mr. Cool Breeze 69 writes in the second part. Sometimes it takes a minute or two to verify to verify repeated super chat contributions via our credit cards. Hence to the best effing channel on YouTube, the John Campus show. Well, that's actually Aww. that's actually a good point. That's a good point. So thanks for bringing that up. Cool Breeze. And I appreciate you mentioning that. All right. Art Vandalay writes. You get to see one of these early tomorrow. What do you choose? Ring of Power 
or the Batman. For me, I choose uh, the Rings of Power. By the way, it's uh, it's multiple. It's with an S on the end. Rings of Power. That is a very good question. I'll go Rings. You're going to go Rings on yeah. that, Rob? Yeah, me too, only because we could be the first channel to talk about it. But if it's none of that, it's just as a fan, you get to watch something tomorrow. The Rings of Power series or the Batman you know, I think I, I got to go Batman. See, the thing is, though, the amount of money they're spending on this show. Yeah, I have too many with Batman. I already understand what we're going to get, and I think it's going to be good. But I have no sense of what they're doing with this show. I agree. I just want to know, like, what what is this going to be? But that's because it's still seven months away. We yeah. will be at a much better sense as we get closer. Yeah, totally. But I, I think I got to say Batman. But since he's asking right now. It's a no-lose situation, though. That's the beautiful thing about it. All right. Uh, Wet Wookie writes, I love dark movies like Batman slash the Joker. I hope it does really well so I can get more like this. Um, I don't like dark movies. Nor do I like light movies. I like good movies. That's it. If you're going to make a dark movie, that's fine. But being dark will not make your movie good or bad. Making a good movie will make your movie good or bad. And and depending on which aesthetic you choose to go with, that, that fits your movie and your style, that's fine. Because there are a lot of really shitty-ass dark movies. And some really shitty-ass light lighter movies. It, it just all depends. So I don't really have a preference, to be honest, with that. I just a good movie is a good movie to me. There are some great dark movies, some great lighter tone movies. So we'll see. But listen, I just hope this movie's great and it looks great. It looks so good. And I, I just cannot wait, man. All right, next up. Michael Brandy writes, I saw the tragedy of Macbeth on Apple. Helped to have an open dialogue because I was rusty on the story. Brilliantly acted and Denzel at 67 is still smooth. Denzel is, has not lost one ounce of his power. He still carries every bit of his power as he did when he was 45, man. Which when a lot of people thought he was at his apex. I say his apex is still now. So good. And Francis McDormand is Lady Macbeth. Are you kidding me? I'm glad you had a chance to watch it there, Michael. Elizabeth Gerardo writes, Oscar nominations are announced Tuesday. Uh, what are you hoping to see? I'd like to see Coda and Tick, Tick, Boom get nominations. I think you're going to see both. I think I think Tick, Tick, Boom. There, there are a couple I think are automatics. Andrew Garfield's going to get a Best Actor Andrew Garfield's going to get a Best Actor nomination. But I think as far as the Best Picture race goes, Coda, uh, um, Power of the Dog, West Side Story, Tick, tick, boom. Uh, did we already say Coda? Yeah. Dune is going to be one of the ones that gets nominated. Um, I think Being the Ricardos is going to get nominated. That's seven. What what ones are I forgetting that are really likely to get them? I'm trying to think of them off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm, you know. Uh, I mean, some people are saying Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, Tragedy Macbeth. Yeah, Tragedy Macbeth should get a Best Picture nomination. I don't know that it will, but it should. Uh, some people are asking about Spider-Man No Way Home. It's possible. Black Panther got a nomination. There are going to be 10 nominees this year. There's room for it. Yeah. It's a great movie. I mean, it's no West Side Story, and it's no Tick, Tick, Boom, and it's no uh, Coda, and it's no Being the Ricardos, but it's it's great. There could be a chance. You know what? With 10 nominees guaranteed, I'll say... I'll go on the positives. I'll say 51% chance No Way Home gets a nomination. What do you think? That gets nominated for Best Picture. Uh, it might get a nomination. It, it I, I, Look, honestly, I don't think it's deserving of the Best Picture of the year. 
it's it's still it's still i mean i enjoyed it i loved it but it's based on too many other things it couldn't exist without about eight other movies and i i don't like that in terms of a best picture but let me play devil's advocate for a second west side story could not exist if it weren't for the other west side story right i mean it is well no because it's it's based on a broadway show that's what I mean. So, but it's, but it's, so, it couldn't exist without this pre-existing material. And, and right, something- no, but an adaptation is an adaptation. But I would say that that Spider-Man: No Way Home, you've got three Raimi movies, two Andrew Garfield movies, then you've got the rest of the MCU. So you've got like an amalgamation of ten other different films that feed into Spider-Man: No Way Home, which is fine. It's not that it's easy to do, but I think that there's there's I think there's an element of originality that needs to go into a best picture, a best picture. I think it could get nominated, but I don't, if it, if it were to win, I just think it's not the kind of movie that I I think a best picture should be. It should transcend its genre and it should be universal in terms of what it has to say about the human condition or truth. All right. Next up, we got Ethan Holgate who writes Michael Giacchino's Riddler theme came across uh, came across and felt emotional to me, which I thought was interesting in my opinion. It captured the mood. I think the character itself is progressing. Yeah. There's there's an ambiance, there's a mystery to it, but there's also something disturbed in it, right? Like I'm listening <laughs> to that music as there's something disturbing yeah. in it. And uh, G. Kino, I'm telling you, man, he's becoming, I'm not saying he's the next John Williams, but he is working his way up that ladder to becoming in that conversation with today who are the most influential and you're talking obviously about john williams you're talking about uh uh, uh well jerry goldsmith or maybe he's the, not the main anymore. guy the the guy just why am i free i was just at hans, zimmer. hans zimmer yeah you're, he's getting up there in the conversation with hans zimmer and john look you know i mean good. one of my favorite things about the jj abrams era of star trek is his score yeah it's great absolutely great all right next up we got ron frazier who writes Regarding Pattinson as Batman, I was wrong about Michael Keaton, and ever since then, I've just trusted the casting choices until I got to watch the movie. Ron, see, that's exactly it. That's why when people ask who should play this, who should play that, blah, 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 I I have recently, recently, in the last number of years, I've just defaulted back to, you know what? As long as the person they cast, I believe, is a good actor, then I will trust them that they know how the character is supposed to come across on screen, and they know that this actor will bring that particular aspect of the character across on screen. All I care about is... Now, I'll still criticize some casting choices if I don't believe the actor is a talented and gifted actor. I will criticize that. But other than that, I completely agree with you, Ron. I'm now just on the bus of, hey, that's a weird choice, but they know the script and I don't. And I do think that person's a good actor. So, okay, great. Let's see what they got. But uh, but we'll see. But you're right. The Michael Keaton one, Ron, you're not the only one, man. So don't beat yourself up over that. A lot of people felt that way about the Michael Keaton one. Okay. Just a couple more here. Uh, Prestonian writes, was the Batman in any way influenced by or taken from Affleck's script, even though it isn't part of the DCU? No. Uh, I think they've even addressed that. Yeah. And, and Matt Reese himself addressed that. It's like, it, listen, he read Affleck's script. It's not the kind of movie he wanted to make. 
did his own script. So as far as we know, there was no connection uh, between those two at all, which is fine. You, you, a creator wants to make his own movie. There's nothing wrong with that. I still want to see Affleck's, but nothing, oh, man. Wrong, yeah, nothing wrong with Matt Reeves going, hey, you know what? That's not the one I want to make. I want to make a different one. Got to respect that. All right. And then the next bunch of ones are just people sending in super chats. Gustavo sends in a super chat. Thank you, man. Two Ben sends one in. The world's greatest detective sends in a couple. Thank you so much, guys, for sending in those super chats just to be supportive. And guys, that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campia Show, thank you so much, guys, for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those comments and questions and live chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel as you did it, and all of us involved here at the John Campia Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. I want to thank this guy over here, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett or RMB or something. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work, and then always here. And sitting over here, of course, is Ray Ora. Ray, where can people find you? Ray Ora with a zero. Just that simple. Have you a good guys weekend. have a good weekend. And guys, of course, you can follow me on social media on Instagram or on Twitter, simply at John Campia. That'll do it for us for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye bye. <laughs>